commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, it's another special holiday party theme program. Uh, it's a special called uh, A Paramania Christmas. As I kind of explained on the last show, the BOA Christmas party, it's like, if we're going to do some extra shows here amidst the traditional holiday shows, I want to do sort of like these party shows. And, you know, I've always wanted to have these guys on together or talk to these guys all at the same time. But since I figured it would happen on uh, on Where Did the Road Go, but I'm banned from that show. So <laughs> I figured, fuck, I might as well just do it on my show so I can swear. No, I'm just <laughs> – oh, God. All right. That was a, that, that was a cruel inside joke. Um, <laughs> but – Anyway, so yeah, so this is a Paramania Christmas of two dear friends of mine, um, Paramania Brothers, Paramaniacs, uh, part of this sort of annual secret, relatively secret gathering we have uh, around the country every year. Um, and they were they were there in the courtyard of uh, of, of what was it, an occult bookstore? Yeah, an occult shop. It had actually like serpents and shit and with toads and stuff in jars. It wasn't just a bookshop. Uh, it, it was quite the place. Uh, and a creepy altar in the back. I forgot all about that. Um, but yeah, these guys were there for the for the last episode uh, of season ten, and ostensibly really for sort of like the last episode of uh, you know whatever the previous incarnation of the show was. Um, you know, and I remember Miguel came up to me with tears in his eyes after it was over and said, "Please do more shows." And I said, "Don't worry, Miguel. I will." That's not true at all. I I don't want to make. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> No, that was Kutch afterwards. Jesus, I was worried about him after that. After yeah, that I, I was a mess. But, I was a complete mess. Yeah. and But to Kutch's credit, I was like a mess when the show started, um, you know, because it had been like a long weekend full of debauchery in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. and by then I had <laughs> my, annual par- my annual Paramania voice wipeout where, like, I couldn't even uh, – my voice was barely working. And I, yeah, I, I was actually, I I'll be honest, folks, I was kind of like down on, I was like depressed because I'm like, oh man, this is like the last show, I'm sad about that, and my voice fucking sounds like shit, and you know, this is just like crazy, and I'm doing a show in the courtyard of an occult bookstore, like not in my easy chair like <laughs> I usually do, it's like a completely insane but perfect way to end the whole the whole uh, enterprise, and uh, Cut's well, kind of like, he kind of he kind of grabbed me by my metaphorical suspenders and fucking picked my ass up. 
uh, when the show started. So, and I, I'll never, I'll never forget <laughs> that. You up for a normal witchy. Yeah, exactly. Pull yourself together, yeah. man. Now, um, to be fair, honestly, yeah, I keep yeah. on reflecting on that space that we were in. That space felt really fucking weird. Yeah. Like. Yeah, the, yeah. Because for anybody who's listening, it was like a courtyard and then like a freestanding house that was very. Very so obviously a, an operant magical space, like with offerings and libations, and it was like shit that you didn't want to touch at all. And then it was a courtyard beyond that, and like yeah. we did our presentations in that sort of middle building, and there was there was some weird juju going on there. I feel like, um, and I'm not even particularly. Oh yeah, that, that there was thing. a Charles Manson painting there. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, so just to show that I can do radio, uh, the. <laughs> the the people I'm talking to, folks, are Joshua Cutchin, who uh, is he's the author of a bunch of books, but the new one is uh, Thieves in the Night: A Brief History of Supernatural Child Abductions. That came out uh, like right after Par- oh June 25th, right here it says. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like right after Paramania, and of course uh, our other guest is the one and only Miguel Romero, Red Pill Junkie. I uh, I think you should like drop the red pill because of the red because you, you seem so put off by the red pill thing. Now I'm trying my best to, to uh, reclaim it, to uh, you know, clean it from all the goddamn alt-right nonsense yeah. that has been lately. It might be that it's uh, a lost cause. I'll probably, you know, I'll probably uh, drop it, but I, I still feel that I can <laughs> pull it up. I salute you, yeah. Well, I, yeah, well, as I was thinking of that when you said that, it's like, well, times change. This, this thing... This, this other, this hijacking of the red pill thing will hopefully die out, you know, and it will be, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the original meaning will come back. So we hope. I think the, yeah. I suspect that the the hyper internet fluent folks uh, like us three are much more aware of that more unsavory term than the rest of the uh, the population. That's my suspicion, at least. That's probably true. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That is probably true because I hadn't really even heard about it really till like more recently. So, it's a it's, it's a ridiculous like conspiracy theory, man. You know, the term became also hijacked, you know, as an ammunition for, from uh, to use by uh, mainstream media, you know, in order to shut down someone. You know, oh, according to conspiracy theories, it's like it's like uh, saying that to let their audience know that that person is a crackpot. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and I, yeah, I did uh, announce on the on the Facebook page for Paramaniacs if they're listening, if they want to call in, they can call in. I know Greg was going to try and call in uh, at some point in uh, the evening. I think he said early. Um, but yeah, we're not going to talk too much about Paramania because <laughs> it's uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be heading down to Georgia though in April, and I, I'm I still want you to come, Miguel. We got to figure out how to make this happen, dude. Uh, we'll see how. We'll, you know. we'll put our heads together. I don't know. Maybe Josh can hire you as a nanny. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that would be the worst thing he could do. The worst. <laughs> yeah. That could be either the, 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 the idea for a na- kind of National Lampoon's comedy show or for a slasher movie. It would just be, yeah, well, no, it would just be like Kutch and his wife and you trying to figure out, like, how to raise... <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I come in and you're just, you're just on YouTube showing them uh, showing them Terrence McKenna documentaries or Terrence McKenna lectures. <laughs> Actually, I'll be okay with that, but that's, <laughs> that's a little bit. Different. 
Yeah, I want to congratulate Josh. Uh, he he's uh, it's he, he's going to be a dad. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Kutch is pregnant with twins, boy twins, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah way to go, Kutch. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's it's kind of it's I, I wonder. Cool. I wonder if you're looking at like the like the if you looked at the landscape of my family tree, um, when my sister and I were born, and wondered what the odds. Just in terms of it actually happening in that sort of like, you know, Macbeth, thou art made of woman sort of way, wondering what the odds are of two siblings without a history of twins in their family having twins. I wonder what that would be because my sister had twins via, you know, in vitro fertilization, and I had twins because anybody can have identical twins. So I wonder what the, uh, I wonder what the odds of that are, you know. <laughs> it's got to be pretty pretty low, I would think. Yeah, that's kind of like, to yeah. Field or something. That's remarkable. Hold on now. We got Greg Bishop on the thing and he's he's got he's going out to dinner or something, so he can't hang out for too long. What's going on, bro? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I I'm I'm no, I'm not going out to dinner. I'm making dinner and then we're gonna go out and see the animation festival that we watch every year. Um, so that's the evening. And I forgot that was the evening. It's like, Oh, well, I would just call it at the end of the show. No, I won't be here. So, I haven't talked I've been to Gregory Bishop in at least a week. <laughs> and, and Miguel hasn't <laughs> talked to me in at least, what, five hours? <laughs> Less, I think. So uh, tell us about the movie, on, dude. On another show. Oh. Huh? Oh, oh, the, uh, that... the, the, the Bob Lazar film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. none of us have seen it, so uh, I've only read the reviews. You were there last night. sounded like quite tell the happening. Tell us how much you liked it. Uh, I liked it because it's um, the, the the part the the part of the movie that I liked is that it showed Bob Lazar as a regular person and as um, you know there was a lot of time spent alone with him like explaining himself saying you know this is what I saw this is really what I saw I don't really care if you don't think it's what I saw but you know that that that's the that's the uh, implication the, the thing was that I don't know if he before he said this but he said no this is from another planet it's extraterrestrial. There was no way around it, and there was a huge cheer in the audience because it was it's something that people that are into the subject that believe that there's extraterrestrials here wanted to hear. So, you know, it uh, reinforced that uh, meme, belief, um, uh, side of the story, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then uh, Lazar came up on stage after the movie with uh, Jeremy Corbell, the filmmaker, and George Knapp. They talked about... Um, making the film, uh, Lazar was visibly and uh, what's the word? Um, he actually said, look, I really don't like being in front of people. I don't like being in front of crowds. So um, please, <laughs> please bear with me if it seems, and he handled it okay. And then um, I talked to him. I got a chance to talk to him a little bit afterwards. And he said that, I said, are you nervous right now? He goes, yeah, I don't like being around crowds of people. And I said, I don't either, Bob. I just cover up for it by talking a lot, which is my excuse for talking too much to him. But he was a very shy guy. I mean, he he was shy as advertised. So I I got a you know I got a minute with Bob before everybody else mobbed him. Greg, did you, did you uh, had, had you met Bob before, Greg? No, never met him before. And uh, I was uh, I was waiting to be introduced, and nobody did it. So I was just like, okay, I bet you, I just better take this this uh, this tiny little bit. Like one person left, and he was about to like turn and I said, Bob, I just want to introduce myself, talk to him, add him for, like I said, maybe a minute. 
um, told him good luck and, you know, thanks and uh, nice, nice job on the film. And, uh, you know, cause he was, he was visibly ill at ease by being, being in this crowd. And, uh, you know, you could tell that. So, um, you know, the upshot, the upshot with Bob was, um, I, I think he believes what he's saying. I've, 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 I've believed that for a long time. Um, now, past mm-hmm. that, I don't exactly know what's going. Oh, I remember what I told him. The one thing I wanted to tell him when, when I met him, I put up a quote yesterday from F. Scott Fitzgerald on my on the Radio Mysterioso page, and um, it said something to the effect of, "the the mark of a first-rate intelligence is the, the ability to hold two opposing ideas in the one mind at the same time and still function." And Bob liked that quote. <laughs> So nice. that's what happened at the, yeah. And it was sold out too. I mean, there was the entire theater was completely full as far as I could tell. I mean, I, I just went by Lots myself. Of UFO I, buffs. Yeah. But I, I um, did my best to stay away from everybody. I just sat in it. I just sat in a corner seat near the stage. There was one seat open amongst a bunch of people I had never met and didn't know. And, um, watch the film, watch the, uh, back, the Q and a afterwards squeeze my way through to talk to Bob for about, you know, like I said, a minute or so, and then um, uh, took off. Nice. Uh, apparently Ryan Sprague was there and uh, Walter Bob Walter was, was there. there. David yeah, Metcalf yeah. was apparently there. I don't know how the hell he got out there from Georgia, but. He wasn't there. I sent him pictures and he posted them. He said, I'm going to post them like a man. Oh, weird. Because it's. or something. Oh, weird. Because the way I read, yeah, the way I read his post, I was like, it made it sound like he was there. So I was like, what the fuck's that guy doing all the way over from Georgia? Going, yeah, he, that was really he was like Bob Lazar. Yeah, he was being a trickster. So. Oh, Metcalf, you troublemaker. Well, <laughs> that's cool. It sounds interesting. So, yeah. I've read some of the reviews of the movie, but, uh, you know, it sounds a lot like the Skinwalker movie as far as sort of tone and everything. And personally, I was saying to Miguel before the show started, it's like, ah, I got into this way past the Lazar thing. So to me, it's like I never really – I don't have a lot of passion for the story. So it's like it's not really something that, like, excites me too much because to me, by the time I got into all this, it was sort of like more apocryphal than anything. I didn't watch it unfold as uh as you and I know Miguel did. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a uh, it was a big deal at the time, and everybody was excited, and a bunch of people hated him, and a bunch of people loved him, and that really hasn't changed very much. Although, like I said, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, to let Bob say what he wanted to say in his own words, and you know, it's like, look, this is really what I thought. This is what I think now. Um, you know his views on it haven't changed that much. I don't think um, there there's like a couple good revelations in there about things people didn't know about before, like a like a weird hand scanner thing that he had to use, and nobody knew about it when he yeah, was I heard about, about that. it. And then like yeah, thirty years later or whatever, or twenty years later, somebody said, "Here's some here's some technology we had to use when we worked at whatever base," and it was like that's exactly what I described. So there's some vindication that uh, Lazar was actually working at some kind of, um, or at least knew about um, these facilities and the kind of um, security uh, uh, protocols and, and technology they had on, uh, on hand. So, you know, what, what does it prove? It proves he knew about the technology and that, that what it was for and all that. He could have been told. I don't know. 
But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the story yeah. is a lot more complicated than people think it is. And the holding an idea, you know, two ideas in your mind at the same time is very apropos in this, uh, in this instance. Well, it is complicated, but at the same time, uh, Greg, what I was thinking uh, after we, we hung up, and uh, went for a walk, and I, uh, uh, I kept thinking about this, is that maybe the reason why I'm not excited about, about the Bob Lazar, as I was 25 years ago, is I learned so much about the phenomenon in those 25 years, about the high strangeness of it, and I'm following the, 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 the recommendations of, of the late... And Striver, you know, who used to say, if, if, if the story is not weird enough, I don't trust it. And the thing yeah. with Bob Lazar's story is that its apparent plausibility is the reason why I don't trust it, because it sounds too conventional. The idea, oh yeah, they have some kind of highly advanced ET technology, so that means that ETs are coming to Earth in a structured metal craft, they use some kind of really, really advanced uh, uh, super fuel that we can't replicate, but someday we might, and someday we're going to figure it out, all out, and it's going to be, you know, uh, the Jetsons from then on. I, yeah. I, I don't feel well, that that's, that the, that's, can that's my go part so of long. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you, and that's the part where I go, eh, I'm not so sure, and I don't know exactly what's going on here. Um, if you tell him it's some kind of a, if you opine to him or Knapp or Corbell, they that it was some kind of, you know, psyop or something like that. They're like, no, 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 absolutely. There's too much going on here, too much corroboration for other people, and um, across time. Now I don't know all those uh, signposts, but um, not knowing all that, I, I basically think what Miguel does. Like it sounds too simple. I mean, if you, if you really yeah, the narrative's too clean. Pin yeah. me down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not saying I don't believe I was a total load of crap. Like, no, no, it's way more complicated than that. And and Miguel has cracked that cra- cracked that um, uh, idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's so clear, like cut and dry, black and white. Where it's like either he made this whole thing up out of whole cloth, or or he was like, you know, working exactly. side by side with an alien. It's like clearly the shades of. Shades of gray, no pun intended, as far as, like, what the fuck happened here with the sky, you know. But, again, it's like, it's just, now it's just become apocryphal at this point, because no matter what, like, the movie doesn't change anything, you know. It's still just sort of like, uh, it's just like a revisiting of of an old, interesting story, you know. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's one of those. You had someone like Louis Elizondo, you know, coming forward and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, there was actually that kind of program working on the, at the time, you know, and they didn't learn anything, or so, or they moved on." Yeah, Josh, are you gonna say something but, just now? I was just gonna say, for me, it's one of those things that it's it's sort of it's Roswellian in a lot of ways, where it's just like there's just yeah. so much. Oh yeah, for sure. There's so much bullshit surrounding it. That um, I honestly probably am not as uh, as informed on the topic of Bob Lazar as I should be for somebody who's into these topics because I just feel like it's a tainted well. So I take in little bits here and there, but I commit zero information to memory. Um, similar yeah, to the way, the way. <laughs> that, I do, that I do with like Roswell or MJ12 or any of that stuff. This it just sits in my. It's, it's like it's in my again my grayest of gray baskets. You know, <laughs> like you said. Mm. Yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's it, it's like there's a nostalgia element to all this too. Like I said, because Miguel and sure. and Greg like lived through this as it was happening. I can imagine it was fucking super exciting. You know, it was like holy shit, you know. And so, to me, it's like I probably I probably learned about. I don't even see that's the thing. Like I don't even remember how or where I even heard of Area 51 in the first place. So to me, it was like I'm all certain I probably heard about it before I even heard about the story about how it came out. You know. Yeah. yeah. People always first uh, saw uh, Independence Day or something and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's 51. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? So to me, it's, like I said, it's apocryphal. Josh's uh, comparison to Roswell's pretty apt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know exactly. Yeah. There, there's so much backstory there that it's impossible to know all the backstory. So you have to reserve judgment, I think. You have to reserve judgment on just about anything in this field. And it's really hard to do that because people really want an answer. They want to be right. and They want to have the right story. and They want to have the story straight. And they want to make sure the person told the same story each time and everything checks out. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work for almost any of these stories. It just right. and, you know, so you just have to, have to deal with it. And also, you know, if, if, if the Bob Lazar version, if, if again, it's just, I keep on coming back to this thing, which I think – Someone like Tim, with his sympathies where they lie now, um, might, might find this a bit what does that uh, off-putting. Mean? But well, no, I'm just I'm just saying that like you know, to me the ETH has become the most uninteresting answer in a lot of ways. It's it's oh, just yeah. underneath it's yeah, just underneath right. like psychosocial experiment and unorthodox military aircraft. It's like third, like the third most, the third least interesting for me. Um, in terms of possible explanations, because of the high, high strangeness that Miguel mentioned, I think that you know, I, I'm a lot more sympathetic to the ETH than I once was, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I uh, I want it to be true. <laughs> I, I'm down yeah. with Josh on that one. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's been this. I think I think there's sort of been like a re a re-embrace of the ETH almost where. It was like, for a while, it was like, you know, people almost felt compelled to be, like, vehemently ETH, but now it's like, at least give it a second look where it's like, like Miguel says, it's like the most, kind of, tying it to the Lazar thing, where it's like, it's the most plausible thing, so it kind of, you know, or it's very, you know, it it fits, it tings all the narrative boxes, so it's like, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the most, that's why it's so appealing to people, because they can't deal with, like, it's some kind of, like, mental projection or, you know, interdimensional thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um, think that it's, it's a really good object lesson. Like, for somebody like me, you know, who often wants to talk about how we should not uh, we should not try to explain everything with one blanket answer, Whoa. I think, you know, that's 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 really where I've come down is, is, is in, you know, accepting aspects of the ETH that you can you can set aside the weird contact experiences from the you know, more uh, hardcore sci-fi structure craft in the sky sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the old Brad Steiger thing where it's like all of the above in a sense, I think, you know, where you know, an alien craft may have crashed like in the desert in Roswell, but it may have like nothing to do with the UFO phenomenon as we know it. You know, it might well, just be a completely yeah. <laughs> separate thing that it, happened. It, it might be a one-off. I mean, I, I'm more open to that idea than I was really uh, for a long time. The idea that these things can might be, you know, 
maybe most of it is sort of this weird sort of fairy spirit sort of thing in terms of contact scenarios. And plus, you know, layered onto that, the, you know, the uh, unorthodox aircraft and possible side effects interspersed with like 10 genuine actual extraterrestrial visitations throughout time. Um, there's a book that I, that I keep on thinking about um, that I, I'm startled, startled to see that people haven't really read about or haven't really read this book. It's called The October Scenario uh, by Kevin Randall, and it proposes the idea that the only genuine flap of actual extraterrestrial visitation was in October of 1973. Um, and he has some logical points hmm. he goes through interesting. that. Uh, it's, it's interesting because Holloman? I was, you know, uh, not, not, what, say it again. What? Holloman? No. Holloman Air Force Base in regards to. Yeah, the Holloman film thing. No, he's talking, he's talking about, about like a flap. No, that... no, you know, he's, he's talking oh, about okay. like, like there was, there was a period in October of 73 that was the moment when we had extraterrestrial yeah, visitation. Everything else. That happened yeah. in October of 1973. Um, and then everything else that, res- that you know happened on either side of that is either you know paranormal yeah. or That's- echoes that or you know psyop stuff. It, it, it's it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure I'm on board with it, but I'm always amazed at how many people aren't familiar with that particular book. Oh no, I'm not familiar. Yeah, with it. I've never I'm heard not of it. on board with it at all. And it, it sounds Carl Flockian almost. Yeah, I mean, it's again, a bit I, yeah, I it's, like, a, yeah. it's a bit fantastic of a theory. So yeah, it feels but like it's, 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 it's interesting. Like saying, oh yeah. What's that, Miguel? Like, it, it's open to interpretation. I say, oh, yeah, only this, uh, in these uh, cases, we can talk about uh, a genuine extraterrestrial intervention, whereas the other ones are genes, and the other ones are uh, multidimensional, the other ones are, you know, uh, goats, and the other ones are hoaxes. I don't know. And, uh, I feel it's um, I don't know who has the right to 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 actually say that, you know. Yeah, well, anybody can say it. They just have to support it. Right. It's a thought experiment. It makes me interested to hear. It makes me interested to read the book. I'll say that. So, yeah, you kind of sold me on it, cut in a sense, because it's like, all right, how does this guy get to this conclusion? (laughs) Like, like how how do you justify this interesting? Theory, sir. Well, I, 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 I wish I could more interesting the idea that the aliens maybe came here in 1945, 1947. So, sorry, but since they are capable of time traveling, then they started to hop in and out of human history since the dawn of time to 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 the present and the future. So that's why they feel that they've been with us since forever. Right? But they just, from their point of view, they have been here just for a couple of years. That makes as much sense as anything. Yeah, all these, a lot of these. You know, I love speculating about this stuff because it's like, who, <laughs> who knows? You know, in a way, that's. I think I have some like subliminal resentment of the disclosure folks because it's like, just stop. Like, I like like thinking about the mystery. I don't want the answer, dude. Like, stop, stop, <laughs> st- stop, stop trying to ruin the fucking movie. We, <laughs> I'm enjoying the chase. You know, I don't want to see. I don't want to know how it ends yet. <laughs> so let's just I need I need Tom DeLong to cool his jets cuz uh <laughs> you know wait till I'm like 60 you know that'll give me another 20 years to like ponder this then I'll be then I'll be righteous and and be like yeah give us the answer Oh man you know, anybody that has the answer doesn't have uh, the answer Exactly. Yeah, another thing about Bob Lazar, getting back to him for just a minute, is yeah. that how 
maybe the only three elements in his story is uh, something that I, I don't I don't know if he ever addressed or ever cared to comment about the fact that the sports model that he uh, popularized was an almost exact replica. Yeah, the, the flying saucer that he said that he worked in on S4 was almost an exact replica of one of those Pleiadian beam ships that Edward Willemeyer was photographing in, in Switzerland in the ni- uh, late 1970s and early 80s. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I would argue know that, that by now only a handful of people still believe uh, the Billy Meyer story. You know, almost everyone agrees that. I, I don't want to say all of his materials are hoaxes, but, uh, you know, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I would disagree. Yeah. I would say oh, that no. it looks, yeah, you... looks quite a bit, not yeah, quite a bit, but it looks different than, than um, most of the ones he's talking about. And it, it doesn't look too far off what people think of a flying saucer anyway. So it could be, you know, that's just a standard model that works, or maybe that's what he thought a UFO looked like, or maybe that's the idea that was planted in his mind. I have no idea, but I don't think it really looks too much like. I guess it looks closer than some others. It looks closer than an Adamski saucer, but I think it looks far enough away that it's not really, to me, looks like a Billy Meyer. I still have an actual sealed, sealed boxed testers um, sport model. Maybe oh, somebody I can get problems with to sign it. Wow! Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I found it at a store like you know eight years after it was released, still sealed in the plastic. Like, oh, so I bought it. Still have it sitting in the box, like a, like a, like a geeky Star Wars collector. <laughs> My cigarette just said geekier. As someone who has multiple <laughs> Star Wars collections in my home, I take that into a finch. <laughs> I'm a finch. I've been triggered by Banal of America. I'm glad you're off the air, Tim Banal. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to get banned from my own show. <laughs> get out of here, Benal. We're taking over. Oh, my God. So, Cut, you're having kids, huh? Yeah. Um, can we? Can I address this, though? Because I, I felt a lot of sympathy for you, and I don't know. I feel like you should, you should say this for the listeners so, so other people in their lives can learn, too. It's like, stop... It's not funny to to say, oh, your life's going to be over and shit. Like, people don't – that's not – that's, like, rude, folks. So don't say that yeah. shit to somebody who's going to have babies. That's I'm wicked jealous. I want kids, so, you know. I mean, uh, I wouldn't – like, I don't get the people that – what's that? It's, 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 I said that's play a hate because they had kids, and that's what happened to them because they're weak-willed, unlike Joshua Cutchin. Uh, right, yeah, it's like people them. that like when you're about to get married that they're like, oh, well, you're a sin of your life, man, you're getting married. It's like, Jesus, well, dude. Well, obviously, one, your life as you currently know it is over, you know. But right, right, yeah. A On the contrary, you will say, you know, now a new part of your life is going to begin and a much a richer <laughs> one, you know, more fulfilled one. I'm laughing because you're like the sweetest person I know, Miguel. Like, <laughs> oh man, if you only knew. I mean, if my sisters were listening to me now, they would probably be a monster. Or, or <laughs> yeah, because they know I'm really, I'm not really uh, that much of a kids person. 
You know, I, I'm a great uncle, I can say that, you know, because uncles have a better job, you know. They can play with the kids, and when the kids get too obnoxious, okay, now it's time for you to return with your parents. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Good night, leave me alone. Take this back. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's all, that's, that's yeah. all very true. I, I suspect... <laughs> I suspect that my relationship with kids is going to be kind of like my relationship with dogs. Like every dog I've ever owned or that my parents have owned, I have loved that dog so much. I wanted to be around that dog all the time. But anybody else's dog, I'm like, fuck off, dog. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> I just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, it, it, it gets really tiresome to hear, like, you know, trust me, any, any parent of twins is well aware of the financial constraints and of the you know, sleep constraints and stuff. Um, but I kind of feel like a bit like Bruce Banner in the first Avengers because everybody's like, you're not going to sleep. Your life's over. And I feel like looking at the men saying, I'm saying that's my secret cap. I never sleep. <laughs> and they're just tearing off insomniac Hulk or something. Cause you know, I, I, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I slept all the way through a night um, without waking up at least, you know, four times. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's, so you'll yeah, be fine, yeah. Yeah, so pro tip. Don't tell people that their lives are over when they're having kids because you're not making them feel any better, and you're just being a dick. So there you go. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of observations you make about the identicalness. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. like, twins have – like I, this is true. Like, twins are known to have – no, no, it sounds like something you hear on a program like this, but apparently it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, is is that like twins have like their own language and shit? So like you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be at ground zero on this like really fascinating, uh, you know. Thing. Well, there is there is no, there is no it's true there is no shortage of fourteen literature talking about twins separated at birth who end up marrying women with the same name and go into the same occupations and have the same dogs of the same name and end up you know having the same style houses and driving the same cars. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of literature about that, and you know it is mu- very much magnified for identical twins. So that's sort of been my that's been my the flip side. You know, whenever I think about you know all the uh, lack of time that I'll have and the lack of sleep, I think about all the free sci experiments that I get. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're already putting together these these cruel cruel experiments on your kids. So. Yeah, I've got, I've got a stack <laughs> of dinner cards here, kids. It's gonna be we're gonna have dinner card Sundays. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Taco Tuesdays yeah, exactly. and dinner cards Sundays. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I already told Josh that his rule or his faith is going to be that one of his sons is going to be a nuts and bolters, and the other one is going to be a hardcore skeptic. You know, materialized <laughs> Richard Dawkins fan. You know, a lot of eye rolling. Gonna have a poster of the amazing Randy. <laughs> Please, please, you know, I'd rather them both be gay or rather than both be any number of things than be a nuts and bolters guy, you know. Let them be all. I can't arrange you to be a nuts and bolters. Yeah, right. I know some parents that are like, oh, I wish wish my kid would be this or that. But, like, that's, you know, as long as my kids are physically healthy um, and they're not nuts and bolts, Richard Dawkins style <laughs> atheist. I'm good. I'm good. Anything else is crippling, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Tell Sarah she has to take up an instrument now because with the two with the twins, you guys could form a family band. 
Oh God, no! <laughs> the auto harp, <laughs> auto harp, and uh, and uh, and uh, jaw harp. Theremin. Yeah. There and theremin and tuba. There you go. Dude, I'm <laughs> mad. I'm pissed off. Why are you pissed off? Because my midget didn't come today. <laughs> Your midget that tuba? Sounds, that sounds like the punchline of a dirty joke. Yeah, I bought a travel tube. It's the first horn that I've actually bought. Like, I mean, I bought a trombone, but it doesn't count because um, the trombones are kind of disposable in terms of like you know, the, way they're, the way they're constructed. But like, I bought a 20-inch travel tuba. It's like 11 pounds. It didn't come today. I waited all day at the house. No no midget. Oh, the, the mighty midget. And my midget didn't come. So I couldn't blow my midget because my midget didn't come. <laughs> oh, my God. You must, yeah. You've been riding this midget thing, for I bet, for, like, for weeks. Yeah. I'm, I'm no pun intended. Riding the midget. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not I think it was intended. Uh, no, it really wasn't. I, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me until... <laughs> Still afterwards, that seemingly everything, everything connected when you use midget in a sentence turns out to be almost a double entendre somehow. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 I've got a little. I ordered a little silver midget that's supposed to be coming from the UK. That to do with the fairy book, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll post pictures of me blowing my midget online. <laughs> You have to do it live. When you get your midget, I'll, I'll have you blow the midget live on the show. Uh, yeah, nice. Perfect. For the entire show, for two hours. Stroking the midget just the right way. Oh, oh my God. You got to finger the midget. This better be dropped right now. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are insane. Oh, we got a caller. Let me see. Let me see if I can check the... Check the area code here to see who it is. If you can guess it. Five, one, two. Leave the midgets alone. Austin. Uh-oh. This could Uh-oh. be Carlos. Let's see. We're going to keep you on a short leash, Carlos. I don't want to hear about how it's okay to tear gas people, you weirdo. All right. <laughs> who have we brought into the festivities now? What do you What do you mean It's not, it wasn't tear gas? It was pepper spray. <laughs> oh Jesus! That, oh, that's that much almighty. That's that's fine then. I totally agree with you now. Yeah, you can put that shit on your nachos. I heard. Uh, how are you, Carlos? Staying out of trouble? I'm good. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not in jail, so <laughs> no. Yeah, you calling up for us to bail you out somehow? <laughs> Guys, guess what? No. <laughs> Carlos, what can we do for you? No, I just called. A, I heard you were doing a Christmas call to wish everybody a uh, uh, Merry Christmas. Give, hey, Merry give, Christmas. Give you Thank you. Thank yes, you, Carlos. We wish you a and Merry your Christmas family. as well. Give you guys what are you doing for the holiday, Carlos? I, I actually get to go home this year. Where's home? Oh, nice. They're, let, they're letting you out to go home? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've, most, uh, most, uh, most years I have to, because of the schedule, I end up, uh, because of our our sparse coverage, uh, I end up working through the holidays. And that's most years. And this is the first year since 06 that I get both Thanksgiving and Christmas off. Wow, that's awesome. Cool. That's really cool. So, so you get to spend time advantage. with family. That's important. 
Yeah, yeah. With, so where, so where, where's, where's your family? Yeah, Carl? where's home? I, I, uh, my my folks uh, live in the Houston area, town called an area called Spring, okay. which is the north side. Yeah, Houston is like LA. It's huge. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. It's uh, it's between. It's like just south of the wood. It's like the spring and then the woodlands. And the woodlands is where all the. It's it's the next county over. Houston Houston is now you know like I want to say like four different counties. The Houston area now encompasses like four or five different counties. Uh, it's mad. just gotten just. It's it's ridiculously it's ridiculously spread out. Because my brother lives like, uh, like my brother lives forty miles away, and from my parents, and sometimes it takes him. I can drive from Austin to my parents' house, and it will sometimes take him longer to get home because of traffic. <laughs> wow! Houston just got crazy. Well, there's going to be traffic in Atlanta, but we're going to uh, circumspect it, right, Kutch? Yeah, um, I I have. Uh pretty good things to say about the uh the marta system which is the uh the rail system here in atlanta it's, it's really simple but the good news is is that you can literally get off your airplane and there's a marta station in the airport and travel to the end of the line so from one end of the line to the other end of the line it's about a 40 minute trip but especially yeah. you know with with traffic and everything um it it brings you like 15 minutes from the hotel so that should be perfect yeah I can uh, vouch for that. Yeah. Yep, same here. It's yeah. a very uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, both of you guys did it. Yeah, yeah. Both of you guys did it. It's, it's, it's really simple, especially when you're going, you know, from one end of the line to the other. Um, I have to admit that uh, at first I was a bit confused <laughs> about where to go, where, where to hop on. But, it's one of those yeah, things where it's so simple, it's confusing, oh. you know? I found, it's like, it's, it's I so told Kutch. Go ahead, Kutch. It's it's a. No, it's just, uh, yeah, well, it's big, and, like, you know, it is a subway system or whatever, but I found, I don't know if it's, like, a effect of old age or just common sense, where it's, like, in those situations, I always just find somebody that fucking works there, you know, and I just explain, you know, and I, they, that's their fucking job to help you. I was telling cuts when I yeah, was... Exactly. I, I asked that way, also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, some people are too proud, and the next thing you know, they're on the train going the, going to the other end of the line. <laughs> You know, but I was telling Kutch when I was there to get on the Marta to go home, I did just that. I went up to this lady uh, who worked there, and I, she was, like, sitting in a chair, um, and I'm asking her, like, okay, I just want to make sure I get on the right thing to go to the airport, blah, blah, blah. And, like, as I'm talking to her, uh, this other lady just comes up also for help and, like, tries ah. to interject in the com- – like, tries to just usurp my, my lady – and and the lady like just looks up at her as as she's answering the question like she's like okay so you want to go to, to me and the other lady comes up you know and the woman just looks up at her at the interloper and puts her finger up and wags it and goes no 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 just like that and then turns back to me and finishes like her directions and I was like that was like this is why I need one of those like body cam police things so I could so I could have captured that moment for <laughs> for, for the rest of my life. It was amazing. Amazing. Uh Tim uh, Tim, just from uh your your language, your choice of words there, I think you've beca- you you've gone full monarchist. You're gonna go back to the French monarchy and 
you start. Interloper. I don't have any idea what you're talking yeah. about, Carlos. Yeah. No, I feel good that he yeah. goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yes, yes, he's, yes, I think it is. It's true, you monarchist. I certainly am. Well, on that note, Carlos, then I say off with your head, and uh, we will we will wish you we will wish you a merry Christmas, sir. And I will uh, see you uh, in uh, Atlanta area in April. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, brother. Enjoy the holidays, my friend. Take care, brother. Yeah. Later. There goes Carlos. Hey man, you can't call me a monarchist and then expect to uh to yeah, not be to not be executed. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the perfect, That was the perfect segue. I couldn't I couldn't have asked for for a better segue than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a master. Oh man. Um so what else can we talk about? So Kutch is working on a book about Bigfoot, which is kind of I don't think it's that far a departure from the fairy thing. I feel like maybe you're kind of going in a – like when you look back on things, you'll see that this, this, there's a thread here developing or something. But uh, what, are you, what are you doing with Bigfoot? A lot of Bigfoot in the fairy books. Yeah, so there's um, – mm-hmm. yeah, you're right, Greg, um, and, and Tim both. There, uh, there's this uh, – uh, uh, my good acquaintance, um, Gordon White, talks about he's released three books, and he says if you read the three books, you sort of unlock a, a non-existent fourth book. And that's sort of the way that I feel like with a lot of my stuff is that like there's some stuff that I've been getting at and you've been reading between the lines um, that uh, if you're paying attention you'll sort of see. Um, it's this is set out. Um, we're, Tim, Tim, Timothy Renner and I are setting out to write the definitive, uh, the definitive sort of weird Bigfoot book. Um, some people have flirted with the weird Bigfoot stuff here and there, but this is going to be like your one-stop shop. At this point, I'm <laughs> not convinced not going to be a two-volume work. My topic just on Bigfoot and fairy correlations is about – probably going to come in at about 15,000 words. But to put that in perspective, you know, uh, my last book was my longest book, and it was 80,000 words. So that's just one chapter out of you know about Jeez. 15 to 20 Tim and I are going to write. Um, but uh, it's going to cover a variety of topics, you know, witches, witches in Bigfoot, fairies in Bigfoot, these anomalous footprints, how, you know, some footprints are three-toed, some stop uh, dead. Um, the weird sort of things that a lot of people attribute to uh, to Bigfoot in terms of mimicry. Um, That's my favorite. There's this it's, – it, it, it's weird. It really is sort of a microcosm of where ufology was like 20 or 30 years ago because there are these people who are cl- who are like swearing up and down these are flesh-and-blood creatures with like an amazing propensity to mimic, an amazing propensity to do this, and an amazing propensity to do that. And it just seems to be very – it seems – those arguments seem to undermine the very argument that they are, you know, the sort of uh, materialist scientific Question, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to get as much of it done as I can before the kids get here, um, which, you know, my wife is due in mid-March. When your life's over. Yeah, when my life's over. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my, wife, my, my wife's due in mid-March. Uh, they're twins, so they're probably going to deliver in mid, mid-February. So I'm just trying to, like, just cram as much as I can. I know that the fairy, the fairy chapter is going to be the biggest one because of my, my familiarity, but uh, I think that people will be very surprised at some of the similarities that I dig up here and there. Um for example, here's here's a little juicy tidbit. Um, so one of the things that's really confounded cryptozoologists for a long time is why some Bigfoot footprints have three toes, 
when that's just obviously not a primatological thing. Like the best footprints in the field are are you know regular look like blown up human footprints really. Um, and the three-toed footprints are sort of like a uh, proverbial red-headed stepchild. In fact, John Green, in a preeminent Bigfoot uh, researcher, said that he just didn't like to talk about three-toed footprints. Um, but it's interesting that I found I've dug up some cases of some fairy queens who wished to scare farmers who decided to transform into apes with duck feet, uh, which seems like a direct, direct reflection. That sort of you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a really startling. You can read that. When you read that and you're familiar with these like Even Bigfoot better. accounts where there are three-toed footprints, it really sort of sticks out. So there's a bunch of little stuff here and there that uh, that Tim and I have dug up, Tim, Timothy Renner and I have dug up, and it's uh, it's sort of been a uh, you know a uh, match made in heaven between me and him. We've got main crushes on each other. It's a mutual admiration society, um, and hopefully this is going to be like I said, it's going to be your one-stop shop uh, for all the weird Bigfoot UFO, Bigfoot witches, Bigfoot fairies, Bigfoot. Anomalous three-toed footprints, Bigfoot, this Bigfoot, big that. <laughs> well, maybe. It's I mean, like, you know, what? There's something that you know. It's really interesting. I I, I reread uh, George Hansen's The Trickster and the Paranormal lately, and he 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 pays a lot of lip service to to Bigfoot in there. And if you look it up in the index, he's got like five entries for Bigfoot, but he never really goes in depth into a case study of how the trickster influenced. The trickster archetype manifests itself amongst the Bigfoot researchers the way that he does in UFOs, psi, or you know, uh, in or ghost uh, studies too. So uh, yeah, yeah, going to yeah. them too, uh, because if you if you look at sort of the Bigfoot, some of the biggest Bigfoot hoaxes, they have everything that Hanson talks about in terms of the trickster archetype really manifesting itself. So. Um, We'll see. Like I said, I'm not convinced this is not a two volume work because it's gonna be it's gonna be a chunky boy. He's gonna be stout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you going to cover also uh, uh Bigfoots that are more like almost like werewolves? Yeah, that's in there too. How so? that's in there too. Uh, well, I mean yeah, so like there's there's Yeah, I mean so and I, I sort of compare this to, to a lot of the fairy lore, too, is that, you know, you have these elaborate taxonomies of fairies. It wasn't just like one type of fairy folk. It was like multiple types of fairy folk who did certain things. And you can see this sort of elaborate taxonomy reflected in Bigfoot lore where it's like, you know, you have the type A's that are tall and human-like and they live in the Pacific Northwest and the type B's that are shorter. And they have like, you know, the, the, the ape footprints. You have type C's, which have like, you know, these like baboon-like muzzles. Um, but what I find really interesting, and I hope I'm this is the last Last tidbit I'm giving away, kids, um, is that uh, one of the most common ways for people to transform into werewolves, especially in like French folklore, was they would talk to a witch, or you know, sometimes they'd encounter the devil in a forest. Which, of course, the devil is a variation on the wild man motif, but we can talk about that later. But they would encounter the devil in the forest, and the devil or the witch would give them a girdle. They would give them a belt with which they could turn into a werewolf. And oh, I weird. have uncovered. I have uncovered no shortage of where of uh, Bigfoot sightings where Bigfoot is wearing a belt, and it's just oh, one wow. of those things where it's one of the things that shouldn't shouldn't happen. Yeah. It's just an in the wolf. So, you know, I, I I want I want Bigfoot to have a an ape, a, you know, a, phys, a physical primate basis, even more than I have ever wanted UFOs to be extraterrestrials. Like I want Bigfoot to be an actually undiscovered primate. And I suspect that there's some portion of the sightings that really do, t that really are addressing that. But I think in sort of that Mike Cleland owl way that that image of that undiscovered primate is being appropriated by some sort of other, um, 
is being appropriated by some sort of other in a way to uh, to sort of that imagery for its own end. That's sort of the, the working overarching thesis. But we're gonna we're rolling up our sleeves and really getting into this. So we'll we'll, we'll see. That's what I'm working on right now. And I'm just I I you might have noticed me dropping off social media because I've just dug really deep into this. Yeah, it sounds like it's right, going to well, be the one that pisses, pisses off all the all the Bigfoot researchers and on both sides of the coin, which is great. Um, the the one thing that that uh, David Weatherly said to me, it sounds like you've gone way beyond this. Was I said uh, we were just sitting there doing an interview, and I said, David, Bigfoot, uh, undiscovered primate, a paranormal, you know, entity. And he said, How about a paranormal entity? That I mean, how about a undiscovered primate that knows how to do those things, like has those abilities? Yeah. It's like, oh. I never really yeah. that, that's the thing I, yeah. I keep on coming back to, and this is not comparing me or Tim to Jacques Vallée, but Bigfootery needs its oh, passport to Magnolia. You know, Bigfoot needs. Now Bigfoot, you're really Bigfoot, pissing people off. <laughs> Bigfoot needs Bigfoot needs its passport moment where people sit up and say, "There's some folklore that's really reflective and really explicative," and I hopefully this will be that moment, even if we are not that sort of Vallean, uh, you know, uh, that Vallean sort of aspiration. Yeah. Right. Well, they're telling me they're telling me that Greg is uh, has things going on, and he has to depart. Um, I got to make room so, for people that have actually have something to say. So. <laughs> what are you talking about? This has been great, actually. I worry about doing too many guests, but uh, I, I should have known from last week it went pretty well. So, you know, I like the uh, fills in a lot of the dead air. So, I, hey, great, Greg. Before you, work. before you go, um, sorry to interrupt. No, no, I'm sorry. A is for Adamski. When when does it actually finally come out? Yeah, yeah. When can we buy that book? Supposedly by next weekend. Keep your eye on the Friday Mysterioso Facebook, and also I'll probably put it on the actual real Friday Mysterioso page just to say, hey, the book's out. You can order it now. And we're already working on a color version. Well, I'm not working on it, but Go Rightly and the designer are working on it. And a Kindle version, which I would suspect would be in color. Um, and the commensurate higher price for those, but they'll be they'll be available so that the, mm-hmm. the pictures that we had in color, which were a lot of them, um, can be reproduced in a color book, uh, printed and and Kindle. And and I will say that I have tried to play stump stump A is for Adamski with Greg <laughs> in some offline mess or some uh, you know some messages and uh, and so far there's been some things of like Greg, have you heard of this person? And he's like, yeah, it's in the book. So it should be. It looks like it's going to be pretty comprehensive. I'm really, really excited. It's pretty exhaustive. Like mm-hmm. a third of the people in the book I'd never heard of, including you know, because Go Rightly probably wrote almost two thirds of the book just because I'm lazy. The one, but mine are mostly mostly in the second half and and longer format. Like I got one in the first half. I put in Charles Hickson because he had multiple contacts and he said that the aliens said that he was chosen. It's like okay, this is contact B stuff. And nobody really associates that with Pascagoula. Plus, I like Pascagoula. It was a great, you know, it's one of my favorite cases. So, you know, that got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilhelm Reich is in there because um, he thought, that, you know, at the beginning of one of his books, he says, am I a spaceman? Was I, was I sired by, you know, space people from whatever? Um, and that, that's an interesting mm-hmm. story, too. So we, we threw the net wide. I mean, there's lots of contactees who, you know, with the Space Brother thing and all that, Space Sisters, and there's also, you know, people that sort of, sort of are falling between the cracks, but we thought it would be fun to write about. Awesome. Yeah. So keep an eye on Greg's stuff on social media, and uh, and I'm sure if you're on the Twitter thing, uh, 
keep an eye on Go Right Lee. Yeah, I'll retweet right. the shit when yeah. I hear about it. And, you know, people people yeah. will know when it's on sale for sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm getting more active on the Twitters, so I will I will put something up there too, and uh, we'll probably put little teasers from the book or you know pictures or whatever. So yeah, keep an eye out. Thank you. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for joining in on the fun. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be doing this again. Hopefully, we got if we got to put our heads together and figure out how to fucking ship Miguel to Atlanta. So <laughs> yes. Once we do that, and we're gonna have a, then we can uh, really be and we're gonna have easy. A, Exactly, and we're, we're going to have a um, end of end of year too at, uh, at the end of the year here a joint BOA radio yeah year in review show of course year in review uh, yeah uh, we'll, we'll wrap year, up yeah. the year yeah yeah all right thanks guys <laughs> thanks Josh all thanks right brother have a good night thank yeah. you yeah. Yeah. bye Greg bye buddy bye 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 buddy bye buddy bye Greg oh there he goes. That was cool. So if anybody else, I appreciate Greg sticking around for so long. That was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. I know, I like him a lot uh, better than perspective you. Perspective on the movie and stuff. What's that? I said I like him a lot better than you. You like? Oh, a, that's cruel. That was a poor, that was a poor <laughs> to the joke. Sorry, it was awful. It fell super flat. <laughs> My bad. Um. I'm actually going back to New Orleans, you know, Kutch, uh, in January for, for my birthday. Uh, the end nice. of January. You should you should uh, talk that? to um, you should talk to Greg about that place that he wanted to go that we never got to that had like a duck pate sandwich. Oh, the croissant. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Well, I have to touch base with you about some of these places like that I barely remember, like the hotel with the rotating. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, no, I I wasn't really drunk at the at the hotel with the rotating. Uh, bar. It's just I have no recollection of what the hell it was called. I have to yeah, say, no, you know, of you. all the American cities I've visited so far, okay, discounting maybe New York, but New Orleans is is, still, is my favorite one so far. Really? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. It was cool. I liked it a lot. Uh, I I love this. It was a human sized city, you know, very accessible on food to, to enjoy it on food instead of having to. To resort to to uh, uh, some kind of uh, tra- transportation, and also the public transportation, the trolleys are were a really cool way for me and Greg to move around. So yeah, I mean, to me, New Orleans is one of the best cities that I visited in, in the United States. Well, yeah, you know, to to that extent, I have to agree. I mean, um, you know, it's. A, it's got a real old world feel. B, I think that it's, uh, I think that it is, um, it's sort of. Uh, Jimmy Buffett once called it the northernmost city in the Caribbean, which I kind of think is sort of apt. Mm. Um, but uh, but C, I think that it has it has as much culture just within the city limits as you know, in terms of like you know, distinctive things about the the, the area. It has as much culture as, as yeah. a lot of countries do. Um, things that are unique to exactly. that particular area. I, I have to agree um, with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like a, a little French enclave in America that, like, I mean, I guess I always knew that, like, France was involved with with New Orleans and shit. You know, obviously I went to school and everything, but I never really gave it much thought <laughs> until I was there. I and then learning. it was like, yeah, yeah, well, I, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> you, yeah. you learn that, like, 
you learn that it used to belong to France. When the hell does that ever <laughs> come up? You don't just like one day go, huh, I wonder what that's like. So that, But then when I was there, it was like, wow, this is really – I think I remember remarking to one of you guys. It was like it, it felt more like you were in a foreign country uh, than, you, than you were in America almost. Like you were in like a Euro- – mm-hmm. like you said, old world. Like you were like in a, like a European city or something. Um, yeah. It was really interesting like that. It's it's this beautiful mix of African American culture and Southern culture and French culture and you know like I said Caribbean culture Spanish and culture too. Not, yeah. the birthplace of jazz and Spanish culture yeah it's it's just it's people talk about like places like New York being a melting pot but to me New Orleans is like it's still melting like you know it's it's, uh, it's yeah yeah. Yeah, New York has a skin on top of the melting pot, and this is this doesn't have a skin yet. You know, it's just still still all <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also have to say, folks, that uh, being there uh, one of the, the one of the last nights uh, on board the Nachos, listening to this guy Coach uh, playing the tuba, uh, some wonderful jazz music, was probably one of the highlights. Of uh, this decade for me. Uh, you're too kind, buddy. You're too kind. He's a sweetheart. No, no, I'm telling no, no, you. I'm being yeah. truthful here. Yeah, no, I yeah. It was well, you know what it was, dude. In a way, it was like it was like a once in a lifetime memory, you know. Suffering, yeah. And it was and and the cool part about these things that we do is like that you. It's it's like that old expression where it's like, oh, these are the best times in our lives, and we you need to remember it and that kind of thing. Where it was like, we know ahead of time that like, we're 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 setting up for like a once in a lifetime experience. Where you know we're out on this boat or we're doing this fucking other thing, and that's what I really love about uh, what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, with that in mind, uh, can we make this a little bit of an artifact of uh, of what Paramania is? Sort of, the, I mean, because we're this is four years deep now coming up here, um, and. Uh, it might be nice to sort of chronicle the genesis with you sort of coming up with the idea and sort of the way that it's evolved. I, I think it would be kind of nice. What do you all think? If you want, yeah. I guess I could do a thumbnail of it. Or we not. Don't wanna... Sorry. <laughs> I feel like we're showing people like we'd be showing people our our slides from a vacation that they, <laughs> that they didn't get to go on. But uh, – I mean, the, but 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 they are like probably some people are like listening and don't know what the fuck we're talking about. So it's like back in, I want to say like October 2015, I think, I think yeah. Um, Steve Ray, uh, he's a huge fan of Radio Mysterioso. He he wanted to sort of do this. He wanted to bring a bunch of people together, and it really wasn't getting out of the gate pretty much because it was like uh, the idea was like who. Who is this person? Like, what? What do you want? You know, why do you want to fly? <laughs> he was like, like he was offering to fly Greg down there, and it was like there was is some this a sex trepidation. Thing? Is this a film thing? Like, what is it? Yeah, I mean, there was trepidation on my part all the way up until like we got there, and it turned out to be awesome. But uh, you know, so finally, so Steve reached out to me and sort of pitched me on the idea, and because WrestleMania was there. Uh, I was like, and I really, I really just like, just like the sound of the adventure where it was like, all right, well, if I can convince other people and, you know, I'll tell Greg that this guy's on the square and he's all right and, you know, we should pursue this opportunity. Um, you know, I was like, let's just do it, you know, because if it turns out to be a disaster, at least we'll all experience some 
disaster together. Um, you know, so then, like, we made a big announcement on a raucous show on Radio Mysterioso. Um, and, and been all of America. I think it was like a simulcast or something. Maybe it wasn't. No, mm-hmm. no, no. It was just on Radio Mysterioso. We announced, the, you know, and then I gave it the name Paramania because I had been sitting on that as a an idea for, like, a conference. But eventually I got too, I don't know, old and cynical and realistic to be like, I would <laughs> Paramania is an awesome name, but for a conference that's like I would I would never want to do a conference. So you're but I was like, guy, well, right? Exactly. You're not, so I was like, oh, I'm sitting not, on this name. Yeah. yeah, it was like the time is right to unleash. <laughs> the time is right to use the name. You know, like I literally, this is like I actually have like names and titles for other things that I'm still sitting on. So it was like, all right, this is this is like the, this is it. It was WrestleMania, Paramania. Um, you know, and then we all got together in Dallas, and it was just amazing. Um, you know, it was just a magical weekend, and I think everybody kind of like got hooked on that. I mean, the real credit for all this goes to Steve Ray. He was the one who like lit the fuse on all this. You know, I've, <laughs> I've kind of, cause I think probably because I gave it the name, and I've had such a good time all these years that like I've kind of like been sort of the point man on on all of it. Uh, you know, since the first year, just and uh, Greg ran the second year. It was awesome. Um, mm. And then we went to New Orleans for like a, a completely different sort of adventure. And next year we're going to uh, to Georgia. Um, so, I mean, that's. I mean, you could talk. I mean, Cut, you've been to three of these now. So it's Miguel. Like, I mean, what kind of stuff? I mean, it's just. The, I mean, like, look at like you said, like, bring people up to speed. It's like each. We're talking like a, not at this point, what like ten or eleven days of like crazy memories spread out all across the country. Mm-hmm. Like it's really. You know, yeah. someday we'll need to put out a book that only the only the ten people who did all this will want to read. But like, it it really it's been it's been kind of an adventure, and I, I we're kind of protective of it in the sense where it's like we we really you know you have to take the leap of faith and be like, all right, I'm just gonna, just gonna roll the dice and see what these maniacs are doing. Well, yeah, I think back to the to the decision that I first had to actually do this because I knew, you know, I'd spoken to you and I'd spoken to Greg and I'd spoken to Miguel. Um, and, uh, man, what a, talk about a surreal first night, you know? I mean, like meeting, just seeing you, um, and, and seeing all you guys, uh, just that first night, it was just really strange, but, uh, every, everybody was, was fast friends and it's, it's been, um, I like I like the flexibility of it all. I I like the fact that we can do whatever we want to or not do what we want to do. And I like the fact that there are conversations that happen that you would probably never have at uh at, you know, a traditional conference. And uh I think the unconference model works tons and uh you know works works bigly as uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the commander chief would say. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know, I I also just I, I I'm the camaraderie is is the real thing that I always look forward to, and you know we haven't had uh, it's it's not there's nothing flashy about the Paramania outings, but the conversations, man, the conversations will knock you on your tail. Um, yeah. And uh, you know the conversations and honestly, it's a party. It's <laughs> it's a great party. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying about the. I've been talking to people, you know, for, uh, who folks are going to this one, and it's like, 
It's like, well, well, there'll be less debauchery. Like, just by sheer nature of it, there'll be less debauchery than when we were fucking in New Orleans, like, within walking distance of, like, crazy parties and restaurants and and bars and shit. So, um, you know, but each each year has a different flavor. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I I honestly, ironically enough, even though I enjoyed New Orleans for different, you know, sort of different professional reasons, because I had to play, sit in with a lot of, you know, colleagues of mine and and play with some folks that I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. play with. Um, I feel like New Orleans was probably no. New Orleans was flat out the least paranormal of the of the three years. I think. Um, oh, in yeah. terms of getting to see strange stuff, but I have a feeling that Paramania 2019 is gonna is gonna do a pretty good job of of. Uh, it, it might not take that title from you know that first year in Dallas with uh, the Aurora Cemetery and the JFK Museum, but man. That Bigfoot museum, though, I mean, that's oh, that's, the Bigfoot a, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, the Bigfoot for those who don't know, like for for those who don't know, yeah, um, the, uh, the the there's a Paramania hangover that's the real deal, like, and not even like the physical oh, yeah, hangover, yeah. like it's like <laughs> the emotional hangover, right? It's 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 the emotional yeah, hangover definitely. of of like being around people that you that you love. Um, and I say that unironically, like that you love, that you see once a year, and then they're suddenly gone, and you go from like living life at 150 miles an hour to living life at zero again. So what what I've yeah. tried to build in, um, what what Tim and I built in this year, and you sort of built it in the year before, was you know trying to just sort of have a have a sort of uh, paramania taper down. Uh, and this past yeah. year, yeah, yeah, tack on a couple extra days. Yeah, this this past year you came back with me to uh, to Georgia and we went to the Bigfoot Museum and that's when you really you really planted the seed of doing doing Paramania and Roswell because I was I was very skeptical of this area being um being worth the Paramania trip. Um but uh it seems as though it uh it might it it it, it might actually sort of be just as uh just as great. I think it'll be awesome. I do. Uh, yeah, I was sold on the area. I mean, uh, you know, the Bigfoot Museum alone is worth the trip. And, you know, I think uh, what we've kind of learned is, like, you do one or two big things. But the problem down in New Orleans was, like, the big things weren't really that big, like, as far as paranormal goes, you know. Like, the Abita right. Museum was cool, but at the same I was not really – I mean, you know, full disclosure, we spent the afternoon first at the Beta Brewery, so, <laughs> like, I really wasn't, you know, in, in <laughs> I wasn't in sort of museum mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jim Vujovic says it best. He was, he was at last year's. He says, it's not the area or the oddities, it's the posse. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's really about the gang hanging out. The Abita Museum was like the uh, the attraction equivalent of a one night stand. Like at the time, it was like the greatest thing ever. And then, like you look back, yeah. on, it's like ah, that was okay. That was okay. I was kind of you know, I was kind of tipsy. Yeah. Well, this may resonate with you, Kutch. I now that I think about it, I never thought about this till now. But it's like the Abita Museum was kind of what I expected the Bigfoot Museum to be, and it wasn't at all. Mm. Like the Abita yeah. Museum was like this. Kitschy, cheesy, just cheesy, kitschy fucking place. It was like I just kind of was. I, I was kind of turned off by it, to be honest. Where I was just like, "This is all you have? Shit that, shit that some guy collected at garage sales? Like, what? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, 
Like like your wall of license plates is cool, I guess. <laughs> but but why? But I don't I don't even think this was worth the three dollars it cost to get in. You can only see some of the remember alligators before it gets old, you know. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like one stuffed alligator in a suit's interesting. Thirty of them is overkill. Like <laughs> I've seen seen enough stuffed alligators. Thank you. Yeah, but the Bigfoot Museum is like hardcore. It it is uh, it's just like it it has it it it. I don't think it's intentional, but it's like uh, it's like this attitude is like it's no laughing matter. It's probably the best way to put it. It's like. Yeah, it uh, it's just a serious. It's a serious Bigfoot museum. It's really cool. I was gobsmacked, and this is sort of a Paramania 20, uh, 2019 uh, teaser, I guess. But I was gobsmacked by the amount of actual casts—not replicas of casts, but the actual casts that uh, were presented there. You had the Bossberg tracks, which are the famous Cripplefoot Bigfoot tracks. You had yeah, that tracks, was from, tracks from the orig- original Falk Monster. Um, and you had also the tracks from Pike County, Georgia, which, which Jeff Meldrum at one point called the best tracks ever cast east of the Mississippi. Um, and of course, obviously wow. the Georgia tracks make sense that they'd be there. But, like, it's that plus, you know, um, Tom Slick's binoculars. It's that plus... Uh, an actual, you know, some hair samples, et cetera. It's that plus some some really interesting ephemera of like, you know, a, a dog run that was supposedly destroyed by a Bigfoot, and they have an accompanying story that's pretty compelling. Yeah, yeah, they had a bunch of stories like on the wall that were like, and they had little video yeah. presentations with them, and they were they were really good. They were like riveting. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I, like I said, I was expecting it to be like the reason I hadn't gone because the thing, the damn thing had been around for like two years before we went. Um, but I went there and it's, 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 it is so strikingly, um, it's, 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 it's very impressive. Let's just say that, um, you know, yeah. hair, hair samples, scat, a scat sample, like a 32 inch Bigfoot poop, which, you know, like I was, always on, I was always on the fence about like Bigfoot scat because it's like, you know, well, anything can poop, whatever. But when you see a 32 inch shit, that yeah, really, uh, impressive. <laughs> that really, that really makes you go, what could have done this, you know? Was that was that Miguel? Yeah. I'm just uh, amazed by by the length. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. You should wait. You see it in person, man. It's <laughs> it's it's impressive. You're like, wow. That's like you put your arm up against the thing. You're like, oh, Jesus. And, and on top, and that, that's actually you know nice segue. That's actually that room in which the Bigfoot poop is located. Um, is the room where we will be giving our uh, Paramania 2019 uh, presentations, uh, which are to include myself, Greg Bishop. Um, Tim, you doing one? Yeah, I'll do one. I'll definitely do okay. one. We'll do one. Tina will do one. Um, I wouldn't doubt it if David Metcalf did one. I have a, um, I have it on good, good authority that uh, it's highly likely that Randall Carlson will probably do one as well. Um uh, uh, Adam Sane from Conspiranormal will be there with all the Conspiranormal crew, um, and uh, I wouldn't doubt it if Ren Collier did one because I believe Ren's coming down for this too. So it's going to be. I, yeah, I, I, I think Ren Collier's I'm coming. Here, I feel like this is going to be a big paramania, and it makes me a little bit anxious. 
Yeah, but I think that it benefits in a sense from the layout where it's like, uh, I feel like almost like you're more apt to have run into problems going a short distance than you are like when you just drive to the Bigfoot Museum, it's like an hour away in this town. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, I'm, I'm, if I'm you're... I was just talking about like the Got mobility it. of having a lot of people. That, that was my biggest concern right now. But, you know, mm. more the merrier, I guess. Right, right. Well, the rule of thumb is, you know, as Steve likes to say, we promise nothing. Um, you know, <laughs> you're not buying a ticket to this thing. You're taking the leap of faith. So if you fucking That's show true. up in Georgia and you're like, mm. all right. Now, do, now I get a ride to the Bigfoot Museum. No, you don't get a ride to the Bigfoot Museum. Like that's all you got to figure out how you're gonna get a fucking ride to the Bigfoot Museum. <laughs> <laughs> I gave the event it? its name. I'm I'm guaranteed a ride to the Bigfoot Museum. So, <laughs> you part, know. Part two, but if you're just showing two, up. I was, I was just gonna interject qu- quickly too because I sort of glossed over this and well, no, didn't even gloss over it. Didn't even think about it. Um, the mini museum. The mini museum, which I was just as impressed by. I don't know about you, Tim, but um. You have in the mini museum. You not only have like some hand casts, which are really striking, but you also have uh, uparts, you know, out of place artifacts. So these like you know yeah. pieces mm. of wrought iron that are embedded in coal, like that sort of thing. I never thought in my entire life that I'd ever see a true fourteen upart, but there it is, sitting in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Um, similarly, there's um, something else. Something else I never thought I'd see, which is the bricks from the bank on which the Van Meter visitor of Van Meter, Iowa, was once sighted. And that's a real mm. cryptozoological rabbit hole of this like, weird sort of like pteranodon sort of creature that shot beams out of its eyes and smelled like, you know, smelled like ass, um, was, was sighted in, in, the, in the Iowa in the turn of the century. They have, they have bricks yeah. in the Van Meter, you know, the Van Meter bank. So it's, it's, it's a real, it's a, it's a Fortean nerd's like nirvana in a lot of ways. And, uh, it, you know, on top of all that, there's a... a you know, at, at, the, at the main location, there's a uh, a little sort of library where they keep a lot of 14 books and a great gift shop. And it's just I, – I, I can't wait to see everybody's reaction when they actually see this place. It's going to be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, lo- I, I really do. Yeah, that the, the annex or whatever you call it, the satellite place is like – it's really cool. It's really cool. It has like some of the more obscure shit, and you're like – like like Kutch was saying, and you're like just – it really is mind-blowing. The Van Meter one, yeah, and the OO parts or whatever you call them, uh, both of those were just like, what is this? Like, it's just a cool – it's cool to see that kind of like tucked away in this little like, you know, getaway town in Georgia. It was like, what? It's like next to like a Lane Bryant or something. It was like, this is insane. Right, and, and it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where um, it uh, – it, the fact that they've included all this other stuff really speaks to the mission statement because you don't go there and get a really strong flesh and blood big flesh and blood Bigfoot thing. Like obviously it's part of it, and anybody who's into Bigfoot has at least you know entertained that idea seriously. But like no one that we talked to associated with it, and none of the exhibits seem to suggest that that is dogmatically what they're preaching. And that's also pretty refreshing to refreshing as well, I think. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, Miguel, uh, am, have... I dom- am I dominating the conversation? I'll, I'll, I'll dial it back some. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Don't worry about it, dude. We're just we're talking about paramedia. I But I wanted to ask Miguel this actually earlier when you were talking about creatures and stuff, um, <laughs> because I don't, I don't even know really like the, like I, 
I, I, I'm going to sound terribly ignorant. Like, I don't imagine that for some reason I think that, like, there aren't forests in Mexico or something. So do you guys have, like – and that's not I, – I hope that doesn't, like, offend people. I'm just, like, in my mind, I, I, can, I, I always think that it's, like, like, desert climate in Mexico. So am I wrong? Am I an asshole? So maybe I am. Maybe down south Mexico no, it's, like, all jungle creatures. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a misconception. There's actually a, a, a big uh, forest. Uh, next to the city, next to Mexico City. I, right. I used to work uh, very near to that forest uh, a few years ago. But no, yeah, there's a lot of forested areas, you know, it's a lot of, I mean, Mexico has every kind of uh, uh, eco, ec, ecological uh, area or ecological okay. region that you can think about. I mean, we have, we have deserts, definitely, we have forests. We have mountains. We have we we have the uh, uh, rainforest. We have jungles. Yeah, I thought. Too. Yeah, see, I thought there were more like. Yeah, I, I think someone in the thing is like in the chat is like offended. I don't. It wasn't like that. I'm just no, like no, ignorant. No. You know. I think part of it's just like because when I think of Mexico, I think of because this is ignorant. I think of like New Mexico. So, so that, it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like my whole my whole life I was brought up. Again, it's like learning about Area 51 before learning about Balbazar. It was like I always learned that there was a New Mexico. So apparently, I assumed that the old Mexico was a lot like the New Mexico. Why else would they call it that? And the New Mexico is just just like 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 a desert, right? Well, the holiday season is upon us once again, and that means spending time with family. Here with his advice on how to manage the holidays, please welcome Drunk Uncle. It's, uh, it's great to be here hosting Saturday Night Fever. Okay. So, uh, Drunk Uncle, are you excited for the holidays? The holidays are not what they used to be, Seth. You know, when I was a kid, you know, Christmas meant something. You know, people... People got dressed up. You know, they would travel six hours in a car. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Nowadays, it's just, hey, could you email me dinner? Hey, hey, could you fax me a hug? Every kiss begins with K. Put that on your iPad and smoke it. So do they have like Bigfoot reports down there or do they have different types of creatures and I guess like I'm interested in the creatures you know down in Mexico do they have anything distinctly that's actually, different yeah. that's actually a really good question to be, Thank you. to be honest because uh, there was this lady that used to be uh, on the paranormal uh, radio circuit a few years ago whose name escapes me right now because I'm an imbecile, uh, who used to collect uh, stories of Native Americans with regards to star people and also with regards to, to, to hairy hominids. Uh, you lost your train of thought? J- yeah. Josh, can you help me out here with uh, this uh, lady? She's a... Uh, she actually, she actually has, a, I think, a PhD. She, she wrote uh, uh, books about the star people. Oh, already six kilo Clark. Yes, thank hey, you very much. You, sir. Yeah, yeah, no, Tim, Tim nailed it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he, he, Tim wins the, the jackpot. So <laughs> I, I remember listening to uh, interviews with her, uh, 
explaining that she also uh, came down to Mexico to talk to uh, uh, Native American people here, and they also related to her uh, stories, you know, maybe in the stop people, but also, you know, maybe encounter all, all, all their kind of encounters. We do know, we do have in the, in the lore, in, in, the, in, the, in the lore of, of different cultures here in Mexico, because another thing that maybe people uh, misunderstand is that Mexico uh, is such a big region that there is that all different uh, native cultures that, that uh, coexisted down here uh, before the arrivals of the Spanish. Yeah, like, the, you know, like in America, how there were different tribes exactly, of uh, people. Exactly. Yeah. So, so among those uh, cultures, you know, there are, there are definitely stories of, of, of uh, kind of like uh, goblin-like hairy creatures. Maybe not hairy giants like Bigfoot and Sasquatch and the Yeti. Right, uh, yeah. Probably yeah. not that. But maybe more like uh, um, creatures that would be more akin to the orang pendant. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, so we have in, in, in the... Aztec lore, we have the story, the the the, 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 the creatures called uh, I think chaneques, which mm-hmm, yeah. are, are I think are uh, described as black, small and hairy, and and also among the Mayas, you know, uh, further down south, we have the the lore of the alush or alushes, and the alushes are uh, sometimes described as uh, dwarfish uncovered with hair. In fact, and, and probably this is something that you already know, Tim, because you're such a big fan of uh, of wrestling. <laughs> There's uh, a guy here in 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 Mexico uh, who is uh, of uh, small stature and who uh, dresses in kind of like a, almost like a small Chewbacca outfit or maybe like an Ewok outfit. Yeah, yeah. And he is the Aluche, right? And he accompanies another uh, wrestler, I think, Mil Mascaras. Right, and, and and he's very popular down here. So yeah, we we do have some kind of lore of uh, hairy uh, non-human creatures, but yeah. probably we, as, uh, to my knowledge, and, and probably maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe if someone is listening to this, uh, can, could correct me. You know, call uh, call or maybe contact you later. I don't recall stories of giant, hairy giants yeah. uh, in the Mexican Republic. All right. Now, did uh, you said a name earlier. Someone in the thing says uh, El Cuatlacas, the other Mexican Bigfoot Mexico explained. Was that the thing you mentioned earlier or no? Uh, say that again, please. El Cuatlacas, C-U-A-T-L-A-C-A-S. Cuatlacas. Yeah, I, I I don't. Yeah, weird. I don't, never. I, I'm afraid I don't know that term. No, neither. Do I. Oh, he attached a. Uh, he, we're not going to watch it now, chat guy. But he he attached a a YouTube video about Mel mm-hmm. So I'm going to send it to you and uh, on this group thing we did to set up the show. So that, that way you okay, can thanks. check and Josh can check it out if he wants to. Uh, interesting. So apparently, yeah, yeah there well, is. Thanks. Uh, just Thank because, you, Digger Dog. Just because, just because I'm into this. You know, eyeballs deep at this point with uh, with the weird Bigfoot book. Yeah. You, you you can find sort of uh, aspects of of Bigfoot like creatures in in 
Mexico, um, and in sort of you know the, the region in general. But the, the thing that I really am trying to get across at this current point, as as deep as I or as not deep as shallow as I am into the book, um, is the fact that if you if you can establish small hairy hominids, um, then large hairy hominids generally follow suit. Um, and I mean that both in terms of you mm. know the the amount of stories that I've found of of Bigfoot shrinking from large hairy hominids to small hairy hominids is striking. Um, the amount of oh, wow. you know the, the sort of descriptions of of, of of fairies worldwide as being as being hairy and hair covered and very simian is really striking. I mean you have basically the brownies and sort of that sort of goblins brownies that sort of uh, archetype in in Western Europe. You will find across the entire globe, um, and uh, it's it's really compelling to me that you know a lot of the things that these small hairy hominids, even places like South America, Central America, Southern North America, do, is they throw stones, they knock wood, they abduct children. Like it's it's all the exact same things that we attribute to Bigfoot. Um, oh, again, I'm not, in Mexico, I'm, I'm, they also abducted women. You know, there was the, the idea yeah. that they would abduct women, and then, you know, later the women will be returned, but they will be, uh, uh, you know, uh, pregnant, you know. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, exactly. it's, 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 it's a hybridization motif, too. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, I, 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 I'm a little bit aware of, of the fact that I might be gaining a reputation as the Giorgio Sucolos of, of, of fairy lore, and I'm, I'm not trying to be that person, but... I am saying <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's something I think I think it's a very uh, that's a very important thing to be aware of is that you know I, I remember. No, that's um, true. That's true. I just yeah, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, no, you got to be careful because like yeah. Well, I remember one time Miguel, you mentioned that you know somebody that I admire a great deal, and I, I can't disagree with your statement. Rosemary Ellen Guiley was sort of on that therefore gin sort of uh, yeah yeah yeah. Sort of, yeah. Path and uh, you know I admire Rosemary to the to the moon and back, um, but uh, you know at the same yeah, time yeah I think it's just more time. like when you get hot on something you just can't you know you see everything through that well, lens you know what I'm here's saying what, here's mm-hmm. what I think generally generally happens is, is I think that somebody finds their one thing that is resonant across a lot of different phenomena and instead of saying this is something that explains all these phenomena just like these other things explain this phenomena. They say, well, this explains all these phenomena, therefore it must all be this. And that's the thing right. that I try to really sort of stay away from uh, is, you know, is is this idea that I, I, I try, it's a little bit of nuance and I try to get sort of my toe in the door, but just because a lot of things look like fairy activity doesn't mean that everything's fairies. It means that fairies are an accurate way of describing the things that a lot of other traditions describe as well. And that's sort of the, yeah. the little bit of they try to carve out there too. Right, right. Well, it's, I, I mean, one wonders if there's like a Joshua Cutchin of like India who, uh, you know, looks at whatever, uh, rich cultural history ha- they have there, and then just sort of like takes that and would have the same perspective in a sense, you know. See, but they they apply it to whatever the fairy of India is, or like the yeah, jinn, exactly like the jinn, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's it's all like all this big other in a sense. I mean, that's part of the problem mm-hmm. with trying to figure a lot of this out. It's like everybody has yeah. their own little things, yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. Where I consistently fall is that there are certain traditions that have described this thing and that know the way that this thing, whatever it is, this big giant other, they know how it will act. They know the things that it does, and they have a system that they've built around it to sort of explain it. But in a lot of ways, it's identical to other systems. And what you can do is you can sit at the you can sit at the intersection of that one system that you really like, your pet system. And you can say, well, this looks like my system, and this looks like my system, so my system must be right, as opposed to saying, well, these are all sort of orbiting around this giant other and describing it right. in a really concise way. And I think that's what – I don't think anybody's got it right. I don't think the ETHers have it right. I don't think the fairy people have it right. I don't think that the uh, the Bigfoot people have it right. I think, I think all of us would be astounded how complex and at the same time probably simple the one answer is. And I, I do think for a lot right. of this stuff there is – Again, I pay some lip service to there being multiple answers, but I, I think at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff does share some sort of root cause, and that's just my own personal hunch. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. I tend to think that uh, in the end, uh, I'm one of those people who advocate for a unified theory of weirdness, as it were. But on the other hand, we have to recognize that, that maybe the only common denominator between all these different uh, phenomena is they are different phenomena. Right. That with different origins, you know, and different intentions, is that they, are, they get to be experienced by humans. And then Workout. we have to ask ourselves, yeah, yeah. does a person who gets to have a, a Bigfoot sighting react differently or less astounded Let's confound that the person who has uh, a UFO sighting. Uh, I would have, I would say that probably not. You know that the the reaction in 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 those experiences is pretty much the same. That that of feeling that your your conception of reality is utterly shattered by an experience that you thought it could not happen. That is completely impossible right. and yet you are confronted by it and, and something happens there you know yeah right right and it could be all different things but uh yeah the one thing they but have the in common is that they're mysteries the is, yeah exactly yeah yeah no, i i could i could not agree more miguel and you know it's, yeah. i think that part of the reason that i gravitate towards saying um towards sort of trying to collate the stuff and and, and get more interdisciplinary talk is not because I think that's where the buck stops, but you know I think that not enough of that interdisciplinary sort of perspective has has been happening, and it's uh, it's <laughs> I think it's, I think it's about time that 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 really took center stage because I think we're all, we should all be mature enough, you know, we should all be mature enough to uh, to 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 embrace how similar these things are. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's. Partially that some people are like intellectually lazy in a sense where they just can't be bothered to or or like obsessive compulsive, I guess it might not that may not be, but they become fixated, like you said earlier, about one thing, you know what I'm saying, so then they don't have the time to because uh, like I mean the ghost thing is like feels so far off from like bigfoot and UFO. bigfoot and UFOs in, I guess because I'm really appreciative of those two fields or mysteries. They kind of occupy an interesting space, and to me, it's like I always felt like ghosts were like way off to the side. Uh, and if you look at these communities and stuff, it kind of is. There's a little more sort of interplay between the UFOs and Bigfoot folks, but like the ghost thing is a completely different like realm, I you know, social circle. Yeah. 
I would disagree, too. I would disagree too. with that because if you, you, first, yeah, because you, if you, you, you listen to the narrative of, yeah, of, 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 of uh, abductees, of someone like Richard Strieber, there seems to be an interesting um, correlation or conjunction between uh, the UFO experience and uh, contact with uh, dead people. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I guess what I mean is just that, like, it seems that the communities are uh, – a little more so, separated in a sense. Not so much right. that the phenomena are, but that like right. uh, you see a little more interplay between the Bigfoot and the UFO community, uh, and the ghost community yeah. is like a completely. And again, it's all personal perspective for me because I, I I'm like I swim in those two uh, Bigfoot and UFO communities. But at the same time, it's like I also you know dip my feet into the ghost world, and it's like it feels to me like a completely different. You know, I'm just talking about, like, you know, the events they hold, and, you know, it, you, you see some crossover a little bit between the Bigfoot and the UFO stuff, but the ghost thing's a little bit off to the side. Does that make I mean, sense? To, to uh, me, it's, what do you see? You, you... Oh, please go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. One at a time. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, you first, Miguel. No, I was just going to ask him, you know, you, you feel that the, uh, with the ghost people, that uh, their mind is more made up, that they're totally, you know, uh, convinced that what they're dealing is with, uh, they're dealing with dead people, you know. That's a great. So I feel that's a great that maybe, question, actually, because now that what I never thought about it until you said that. But in a sense, I think I think you might be right in a way where it's like there's still a lot of debate to be had in the UFO and Bigfoot worlds but as mm -hmm. far as ghosts go it's even more like we like to think that bigfoot's cut and dry where it's like oh it's an animal or it's a or it's a phenomenon or whatever but with ghosts it's like there seems like they've already made their mind up pretty much you know predominantly the vast majority sort of like are like it's not necessarily our ghosts real for these folks it's like what's the best way to to connect with this ghostly realm you know, for lack yep. of a better term, you know, while in UFOs and Bigfoot, it's still like, all right, how can we prove this shit's real? Like, I think that, <laughs> I think that like yeah. the ghost people are already like, look at, we've, you know, we're, we've exhausted all the options. We're still trying other things, but we exhaust, you know, we've exhausted the options. Yeah. And ghosts are like, they're, to me, they're like fascinating in a sense where it's like, it goes back to like the Bible, like the earliest writings. And so there's always been ghosts. So to me, it's like this. It's clearly some kind of like, it's some kind of real phenomena that we don't quite know how to explain yet. If anything, I think it'll be like the easy, unless Bigfoot's a straight up like, uh, you know, North American ape. I think like maybe ghosts will wind up being like the one that makes the most easiest to explain of of all of the I three phenomena. Yeah, I feel that people tend to think that, that they, oh, yeah, the easiest explanation is that ghosts are the souls of dead people that linger here for unresolved business and yada, yada, yada. But I, I feel that it just shows a lack of imagination among the ghost hunting community. I mean, and I know that Josh disagrees with me in this regard, but I feel an interstellar was one of the greatest sci-fi movies of recent <laughs> times, and he actually tackles with this very issue because, and here I'm, I guess I'm going to spoil it for some people who, the people who haven't seen it, 
it, it addresses the idea of, of a phenomenon that is at first interpreted as a ghostly visitation, and then it's shown to be actually something more, much more complicated, some, something that involves our, that we don't really understand the true reality of uh, space-time. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So what, the, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. No, well, actually, I was just saying to what saying to say what I was going to say was exactly what Miguel said off the bat, which was this idea of the, the dead people hypothesis. I think there's a lot of strong evidence, just like there is for Bigfoot, that the conventional narrative that has a lot of strength, um, but the uh, the ghost hunter community has become so calcified in that I think that's the reason that you don't see yeah. a lot of interplay is because there's no yeah. room for that dialogue. You know, I mean, some people will say mm-hmm. stuff like, "Oh, well, it's appar- you know, it's actually intelligent hauntings versus apparitions versus you know, sort of t- tying back into the stone tape theory, the idea that just right, certain right, locations, right. Yeah, ideas and stuff." Um, but I think there's a lot more wiggle room for weirdness in there than people really want to. Well, than most ghost hunters want to admit. And I was just going to say, yeah, bravo, Miguel. Um, look again, I've gone on the record as saying that I. I appreciate Interstellar. It just didn't strike me emotionally, so that's that's sort of where I sit <laughs> with that. So yeah. yeah. I, I just want to say this, Josh, before we leave the Interstellar uh, topic aside. I want you to watch that movie three or four years after you get uh, after your wife gives birth. Wow. Yeah, that's I like cryptic sounding. I, I, I can I can see that no I, I can see that I can see that having more more meaning and you know I I saw it once so maybe I'm not being entirely fair you know. <laughs> oh I I I don't I've never even seen it so I don't know what the fuck you're talking I'll about. Bring the yeah. See Tim's a bigger hair than that... I am. He hasn't even seen it. Yeah yeah. <laughs> and I only watched what's the one with the that's not the one with the. Uh... With the with the language, is it? It's the one that uh, makes no, it. That's a rival, another great movie. Yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, you guys were all raving about that, and I didn't even even watch it until like the plane ride to Paramania. How dare you? How dare you? Sir? <laughs> no, no um, Interstellar. Another one with the great naked movie. Chick. It's the one with the naked chick and the she talking dinosaur. It? Yeah, 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 and the talking dinosaur too. No, she isn't. <laughs> I, I just saw Minions, for God's sakes. That's how out of touch and also oh, behind the times I am. Oh, God. I will say this, Josh, that, and it's not a bad thing, but you're going to, like, watch all these shows and shit now. So I guess that'll be fun. You can find all the weird little, like, adult jokes that are hidden in all the kids' movies and stuff. Oh, no, man. I'm putting them on a steady diet of, like, Looney Tunes and uh, Animaniacs and... Where where there's actually like talks. actual intelligence, what actual intelligence. Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes will not be appropriate for children. By the time <laughs> yeah, you know they're yeah. already not uh, what do you call this? Uh, politically correct. They never were actually, but now they're <laughs> they're even less. Yeah, yeah. True. I'm not a. I'm as liberal as they come, but I'm not a big fan of like retroactive political correctness. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, few few. The whole thing with, like, I guess they took off uh, Santa Baby, I think, or one of those songs off the radio because it was like. Maybe it's called uh, Outside? 
Maybe it's yeah. Style, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I see where you're coming from, but, like, you know, it's just, it's a, I guess it's a double-edged sword. It's like, my argument is like, look, it's two minutes. Just let it, people like the song, just play it. And, and you know, but I guess at the other side, if you're going to be sensitive, I suppose it upsets people. But at the same time, it's like, this is, it, it's, it's. You worry about the snowball effect, where it's like all of a sudden well, we're going to be censoring all kinds of shit from history. You know? Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're using the censor, you know, red pencil, you're going to go find offensiveness in everything you find. For example, you know, remember the movie Big with Tom Hanks? Yeah. You know, it, it's the story of a kid who is probably 13, 12 years old, and, you know, for, from... For, with some magical means, he gets to be uh, a full-grown adult. As a full-grown adult, he gets to have sex with a, with a beautiful woman. Yeah, you, yeah. you could say, oh, my God, a 12-year-old is having sex with a full-grown woman. You know, that's like, you know, child abuse <laughs> in some way. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, I was going to mention this, Josh. I read a horrifying article the other day. Make sure your twins don't don't fucking do this. Because oh God. <laughs> this is oh God. true. This is actually horrifying. Um, I shouldn't. I, I'm laughing just because of the way I set Josh up for that joke. But uh, apparently, this is insane. Apparently, like in a whole bunch of states, um, uh, like an identical twin could have sex with a with with a lady, like a girl who's dating their twin, and not tell her. And it's not against the law or anything. What? Yeah, like like there's no like you can trick some. Essentially, the the gist of the thing is like you can trick someone into having sex with you, and you don't get in trouble. Uh, it's not against the law to trick someone <laughs> into having sex with you. So yeah, that was it was it was a really wild article I read where it was like, holy shit, you know. See that that's this why I hope more that often one of my kids think. That's what, why I hope one of my kids has a giant birthmark across his face, you know. <laughs> Now we were joking to, on the message thing. Have you have you considered names yet? I have. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to hear Luke them. Leia. You're not going to hear them. What's that? Um, I, said, I, I said I have considered names. You're not going to hear them. Yeah, yeah, Luke Come and Leia. Uh, Let's draw a contest here for a naming contest. <laughs> yeah, whoever whoever pays for Miguel's ticket to Paramania gets to name one of my kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's not true. That oh, God. Hard. Um, yeah, yeah you're, Sarah's not going to like that. I thought of that, though, in a sense, where it would be funny if it was like, if if you guys like split the difference, you're like, all right, you name one kid and I name the other. So it's like Bob and Enki or something completely like... Don't do like a theme name thing though. I don't. As much as I find amusement in the idea of like a theme name, it's not. Na- names are not. Names are not meant for themes. So that's my thing. We've been using heckle, uh, not heckle and jekyll, but uh, Pons and Franz as shorthand for the kids. There you names. go. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I no, guess I, I, I suppose it'd be like if it's like grandparents' names or something like that. That's okay, like, but like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to do like Mork and Mindy and shit like that. It's like why? Like, <laughs> that like, would be awesome. like <laughs> Jesus, I hope that one of my, I hope that one of my stuns stuns 
So I hope that one of my sons doesn't stealth rape his brother's girlfriend. How fucked up is that? That's I know, crazy. dude. Identical mm-hmm. twins. It's the old. It really is like the old, like one of those ridiculous penthouse letters. But apparently, it happened, and like the girl was like, "Dude, what the fuck, man?" <laughs> like, call, you know, <laughs> called the cops, and then the cops are like, "Listen, you know, just because he didn't tell you that he wasn't Billy, it turns out that's okay. That's within the that's within the confines of the law." It's the law, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's like, like holy that's... shit. That's something to be genuinely concerned about, as opposed to like taking "Baby It's Cold Outside" off the air. Like I understand the I understand the backlash against that song, but like <laughs> yeah, yeah. to me, to me, whenever I hear people complain about that song, I have a genuine sense of sadness that they've never been in a sort of early relationship where they don't want somebody to leave. They don't want to fuck them. They don't want to like like rape them. They just don't want somebody to leave. And, like, that's the way that I always interpreted that song until it was like, you know, oh, he's trying to, like, get her drunk so he can rape her. Like, I think that's, that's sub subtext to that fucking song, in my opinion. Um, right, but, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's this whole like, thing with, like, so tr- tr- like, trigger warnings and that stuff. That kind of annoys me where it's like, yeah. like, you know, where it's like, warning, this, this thing could be upsetting to you. It's like, that's the fucking human condition, man. Like, you encounter shit, and it upsets you, and you learn from that. And, like, that's, that's, you know, so it's like we can't bubble wrap the fucking society, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with that. And that's the problem is that, like, general, genuine, because I think it's no no secret here, like, I'm I'm right of center to, to pretty much all the paramaniacs, but... That's that's the thing that's been the biggest hit to genuine liberal genuine liberalism is this weird conflation between like this identity culture, super offended politics, and actual liberalism. You know, and and I think that actual liberalism is a laudable position. Um, just like I feel like actual not necessarily conservatism, but actual you know libertarianism is actually a laudable position. But like it's it's it, it's gone so much into this reactionary. Um, Identity politics sort of sort of realm that it's it's just become hard to take seriously in a lot of ways. And you know, I I respect and love a lot of genuine liberals, but it's it's when you get so so worked up over every little thing that you you, you quickly lose my uh, I, I quickly lose yeah how much you lose how t- how seriously I take you at that point. You know, yeah, you lose sympathy because it's like yeah. all right, dude, just relax. You know. Like I said, it's like you – that's part of life is like being offended by shit. So, you know, if we try to take all the offense out of the – it's going to become a sanitized world and like nobody – nobody will fucking grow up. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, no yeah. one will – that's the thing. I suspect it's probably very important to learn to deal with being offended, you know? Um Right, on, exactly. You know, no matter what your position is, to, to deal with like getting – you know, taking it on the chin. Um, I didn't. I personally didn't take it on the chin so well recently when I got told on a Where the Road Go appearance that I would talk too much. So just why I've been sort of. Oh, you're kidding for that again. What happened? I got I got it real bad. You got what? Um. So I I, I did a, a Where the Road Go show and like they were like, the first comment on the YouTube uh, link was like. 
an upvote with like 21 links about how oh, 21 likes rather about how I uh, how I talked 20. too much and I, I rambled and it was just really really kicked my ass. So. Yeah. You, oh wow. Yeah. I'm gonna echo Miguel now. You're still talking about that. <laughs> uh, I am the one that brought up, you know, that I was banned from Where the Road Goes. So, you know, that show's right. problematic. I think I'm starting to think that show's pro- pro- problematic. Problem. If I, they ban me and they hate Kutch, come on. That's true. That's true. Let me ask you this, Miguel, because Don't you wait. seem the most uh, reasonable person to ask about this. Not that Kutch is oh, okay. that I am not, but. Uh, I guess I got. I know why I'm asking you this because you 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 put the silver lining on the dark clouds. I guess like, what do you make of this situation here with this TTSA, and where do you think it's going to go in the new year? You know, not so much like a a critique of it, but like maybe where do you think you know sitting here next year at this time? Uh, you know, what do you expect this this group to produce? It's a good question. Fair question. To be honest. It's a fair question because, to be honest, uh, they kind of monopolized the UFO conversation since uh, October of, of last year, you know, since they went public. And then since they got that big ass endorsement in December mm-hmm. uh, up to uh, 2017 with the New York Times article. And I I actually heard from some people that there's another big ass um, New York York Times article that is going to be released pretty soon. And I don't know what else is going to be uh, shared or revealed with that. Uh, But at the same time, I also feel that uh, To the Stars is not in such a great position because a couple of months ago, it was also revealed that uh, they weren't in such a great financial state. Yeah. Right? That uh, they were uh, not that were in debt. Uh, it was a, a bit more complicated than that. It, 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 it will be difficult to go all, all over that right now. Uh, I will uh, ask you to check, please, if you will, the article that I wrote for the Daily Grail with concerns to that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, like these guys, they talk the talk, you know, but they haven't walked the walk. Like, okay, they say, oh, my God, you know, yeah, uh, the United States had a, a, a secret UFO program after they say they didn't give a damn about UFOs is the closure of for the blue book. Oh my God, what a big revelation. Okay, next. What I feel that is coming from them since that revelation is that they keep grinning about how, how awesome uh, and how important those Tic Tac yeah, yeah, yeah. are. Yep, and yep. with all due respect, man, as a Mexican, uh, I, I understand the importance, but at the same time, I don't feel there's such a big deal. Um, why do I say that? I say that as a person who read Leslie King's book, you know, UFO's testimony of uh, pilot soldiers, and I, I don't remember the title right now, but basically the, 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 that book 
was a compilation of testimony of military officers and, and pilots from other countries who also had quite dramatic encounters with UFOs. Like, for example, the, 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 the classic Iranian encounter in, I think it was 1976. Yeah. Also other, uh, other testimonies, like the, this um, Belgian, I think he was a, a colonel in, in the Belgian Air Force who, who, who investigated the big uh, UFO wave of the early 1990s, which was a really big deal. I guess people right now don't remember that, but it was really a, 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 a big deal because there, he was a, 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 an officer of a European country saying, okay, this happened, and this displayed technology that was far above the capabilities of our NATO um, Air Force fighters yet. And but now we see people getting all excited with the Tic Tac uh, uh, videos. I honestly feel that that happens. The excitement is because oh, this is because it happened to American. Pilots. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I feel kind of like a letdown, like saying, really? I mean, there's probably far more important and exciting. Uh, uh, UFO encounters happening with with military officers all around the world. Yeah. So, okay. So returning to the question, where will we uh, will we standing? You know, a year from now on. Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. I have to admit, with with to the stars, uh, the scenario has become more uncertain. Maybe there will become a new uh, revelation. I don't know. What I see from them is that they okay, they disclose this, and they're they're, pro they're, they're promising to disclose more videos. If those videos are as disappointing as the TikTok videos, then the discussion is not going to improve because yeah. those videos uh, they were really disappointing. The only thing that was interesting about those videos was not the videos in itself, but the testimony of Commander Fravor saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was on, on the plane and I saw those things uh, and it was really interesting in display capabilities that were uh, far outside the capabilities of our, of our airplanes, blah, blah, blah. But the videos in, it, in itself was, you know, like, okay, so these are these black and white pixels that I'm seeing and they're telling me that this was some kind of like air, uh, aircraft. It wasn't really a big deal. They're, they're saying that there are uh, videos of that incident uh, that had a higher definition. And so far, they haven't produced those. Yeah. Maybe they never will. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's difficult to ascertain. I feel that they need uh, that they kind of like you were talking in, in 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 sports metaphor. Okay, they 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 haven't scored scored a touchdown, you know. Yeah, exactly. They, they moved the the, the, the football, uh, you know, a few yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah. They need to score a, a touchdown or uh, at least like a field goal. But they haven't done that. Yeah, they have to put some points on the board. Now, yeah, you guys okay if we hang a little bit past the hour? Yeah, please. All right, Kachki, cool. Yeah. 
I don't want, I, won't, I know it's late for you, so I won't drag you. What time is oh, it yeah, where you okay. are, Miguel? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to learn more about Mexico. I might need to leave America. 11 p.m. Yeah, you should, maybe. Well, no, maybe <laughs> Mexico is not going to be a, a, a great choice uh, now. <laughs> I don't know. It would be a good way to be like, hey, fuck you, Trump. I'm going to Mexico. What do you think of that, dude? Um, there you go. Thank you to all the people in the chat room. Uh, they were very active tonight. Jim and Digger Dog and oh, John. Cool. Um, they threw some shit out at us uh, that we talked about on the show, so I appreciate that. And uh, Tina never called. Who didn't call? Tina Senna. Tina Senna did not call. No, and we 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 rolled out the red carpet for Tina, but she did not call. But that's fine. Stand on you, Tina. The two things that you mentioned that caught my attention uh, that I was like nodding my head was like that this definitely this TTSA thing is like suck the oxygen out of the room of UFO. Stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and it seems like this I mean, natural progression. I talked about this on the last show with uh, with Jack and Adam and uh, Aaron, um, where it's like uh, we're in the midst of this transitional phase, and it seems mm-hmm. like they're in a rush to sort of like be at the fore, be be what ufology is. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I see that you know, and I, I think Cuss sort of alluded to this, where I, you know, because of what I do. I have a different perspective on a lot of this, where I don't really have a, I don't really have any skin in the game, so to speak. Um, you know, yeah. I just, I, I, the game is my game. So to me, it's like I find it interesting that, uh, yeah, there, the, this whole movement has become what modern ufology is, and at the same time, uh, you know, they're all excited about this, but. It, it says something, I guess, about the world that they and that thing in the New York Times is a pretty big deal to us, yes. and a lot of, and to a lot of other people. But like the world kept going, like people didn't fucking they, they aren't marching in the streets to like get more UFO information. So, so no. it's like this 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 topic does not have resonance with people uh, enough to get them to get off the couch. So. Yeah. You know, it, it, and, and I wonder, and, and the old thing would be like, well, they'll, you know, they'll freak out eventually when it's true. And it's like, eh, I'm starting to wonder if they will, <laughs> you know, actually, Star- yeah. starting to wonder if people just won't be like, yeah, dude, okay, fine. Fuck. Aliens are real. Whatever, man. Like Donald Trump's the president. Life's insane. Like, I got to mm-hmm. worry about my own life here on planet Earth. I don't care what what's coming here. You know, if that'll help or hurt disclosure, I have no idea. Um, well, that, you know. that, that, I think, Tim, you're speaking to a real problem that the TTSA movement has is that there has been a lot of, you know, a lot of great, compelling data compiled about UFOs, and that hasn't convinced people. So what's this video going to do? People are telling me this right. is, you know, this is the biggest mm-hmm. thing since sliced bread in terms of. I agree. I agree. This is where I, I break ranks a little bit with, you know, sort of my more skeptical brethren. Is that I do agree that the the fact that the conversation has changed in some meaningful ways, and I I, I find that, you know, the uh, the New York Times article is sort of a litmus test, sort of a thermometer temperature of it. But I find it more in, in in terms of you know personal interaction that these topics are a lot less taboo than they used to be. But you know, having said that, true. Yeah, having said true. that, um, 
if people aren't going to pay attention to some of the really compelling stuff that's come out about as problematic as the case might be nowadays, Rendlesham about Betty and Barney Hill. If if people aren't listening to Jacques Vallée, why the fuck are they going to listen to to Tom DeLonge? The smartest person, the smartest person, one of the smartest people I have ever read has written books about UFOs that are extremely compelling. So if they're not listening to him, why are they going to listen to something else? You know, what's different about the Tic Tac video? You know, if, if that makes any degree of sense, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to convey here. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've said in the past uh, that the just observing how this is unfolding to me, it's like okay. And I, I admit I I am completely cynical and biased in a sense about this, but totally cynical. But it's like I watch this unfold and I say to myself, okay, they're trying to make this Tic Tac thing the new Bentwaters. They're trying to make the Tic Tac the new the new big UFO case, you know? And to yeah. me, it's like, yeah, yeah. to throw back to like Bob Lazar, it's like, unless, I, I just feel like unless shit happens in the now, no one's going to care, you know? It really goes back to that old cliche of like, a UFO has to land on the White House lawn. Like, no one gives a fuck about a UFO thing from 10 years ago, dude. Like, yeah. it just doesn't fucking matter. That's why people got excited about Stephenville, because it happened. That's why they mm-hmm. got fired up about the Phoenix Lights because it was happening yeah. in the moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, to try and sell me on uh, a UFO case from 35 or whatever, 25 years ago, Bob Lazar, or this Tic Tac thing, to me it's like, okay, great, the Tic Tac, it's a good case. Yeah, it's a great case. Put it in the bucket, man. <laughs> you know, put it, put it yeah. in the bucket with the Japanese airliner that saw the UFO or, uh, oh, you know. Right. Yeah. Or that guy, I forget which one, the number one on the Paul Kimball movie that was the 10 best UFO cases where it was like oh, yeah. it was sighted yeah. by a pilot in a plane, the plane's radar, the ground radar, and people on the ground. Like, that, if that yeah. didn't fucking, if that can't convince you, you know, a four point, two of them are radar sighting of a fucking UFO, if that can't convince people, like, it has to happen right before their eyes. Yeah. Put, put it put it in the bucket with a thousand more, compel, a thousand other compelling cases that are airtight, yeah. that are yeah. even better, have better chain of custody, better provenance, that no one still gives a shit about. That's my thing. Right. RB-47. I couldn't even remember the name of the case, but it's RB-47. That's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. was judged by a panel of UFO experts as the best UFO case. A, like no one even fucking knows about it, and B, it didn't change the world. Exactly. For example, I've heard uh, uh, colleagues of mine saying that Frederick Valentin's case is one of the best cases in in ufology because the guy disappeared, uh, and apparently there was some recording of the guy saying that there was some object chasing him. Number one, there's there's never been you know that conversation that that uh, recording ever produced, and number two, you know I, I know of a Mexican case of a pilot in 1975, I want to say. Maybe 77, no, probably 75. Uh, Juan Antonio de los Santos. So this is a guy who was uh, piloting a, a small plane in Mexico, and suddenly three UFOs got near him and took control of his craft. And then you know the guy talked to the to the radar control in Mexico City and saying, maybe, maybe you know I don't have control of my craft. And you know what? You can 
find that recording on YouTube right now. I can I can I can give you the link on YouTube or where you can listen oh, to wow. the guy saying that he had no control of his crap. And get what there was also you know the testimony of the radar operators at, after he managed to land his plane after the the objects left his, his, his object and he was able to land on Mexico City. And, and there was a te the testimony of the radar operator saying that, yeah, they, 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 they saw a blip leaving, you know, like detaching from the, 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 the blip that was uh, tracking uh, this guy's plane. And also there was uh, uh, also other trace evidence of this guy's plane showing some kind of dent that was caused by one of those objects like scraping like the underside of, of the hole and, yes. and, and causing his landing gear to mal malfunctioning. You have this case and, and nobody in the United States knows about it. Yeah. You know? That sounds like a great case. In, from, yeah. yeah, from my point of view, that is a far better case than the, than the Tic Tac video. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Because with the Tic Tac video, okay, you have a grainy video and you have the testimony of a, pay, a pilot saying, yeah, I saw that shit. And, you know, you don't have anything else. Well, you right? hit the nail on the head, Miguel, in a sense, too, uh, because it's like the – and I'm sure, like, they have a million explanations for this, uh, but it's like – the video is shitty. <laughs> like, this is supposed to be. What are we spending 170 billion dollars on the on the on the military for? If that's the video they get from a jet, like, it's just, it should be crystal clear, man. In like 5K, you know, and some HD yeah, yeah. thing that you can't get at your fucking Best Buy, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. how how is this thing no better than the doorbell camera? <laughs> and also the fact that when when they when they uh, when when the to the stars went public, I don't know if you remember these guys. You know, I I actually saw that presentation live in this entirety, and there was this guy talking about the Tic Tac event, showing an image that. You will assume it was a natural image from that event, but it was later shown to be uh, uh, a photo of a birth, uh, birthday party balloon. Right, right, right. A Myler party balloon that was kind of like the number one or something like that. He did the same and thing in said, Italy uh, a few months ago where he tried to wow the audience with a picture of a UFO over the Capitol or something like that, and then, he, then it turned out it was an illustration from a book, and he apologized. Right it. on, right on. Right, you know? right, but it's like, and, that's and the fucking head of the UFO department? <laughs> exactly. And there are people who are the fanboys, or I would say the acolytes up to the stars, who, is, who cares if he shows a fake... Uh, a UFO uh, uh, photo on a presentation because what he's saying, no, no, man, because we don't know if he's showing that because he doesn't know the difference or maybe because it's disinformation, you know? Right. And the fact that he said, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, you know, uh, I didn't know any better because it was late and I was jet lagged. Oh, I didn't have coffee. Yeah, any, yeah. Yeah, have any Cuban coffee in Italy? Hey, man, you don't know anything about espresso. You know, it's almost like a national insult to say that you know Cuban coffee is better <laughs> than Italian coffee. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, it was yeah. that whole thing was like suspect in a way. Where it's like, how do you make a, you know, I guess their attitude and, I guess, well, Tom DeLonge promised that he read all the books, so I don't know how he yeah, missed that. But the guy's his thing, his thing was like, I don't know anything about the UFO literature and shit. Where it's like, well, get somebody in there who does, man, because you're, you know. I can't take a group seriously that makes mistakes like that. But go ahead, Kutch. I know you're trying to talk, so. Well, no, no. Just the thing that strikes me is is, is how faith based the TTSA thing has become. And look, I, I like mm. some of the, I like some of the people who are big TTSA advocates on Facebook. Um, but it's it. I, I will pay attention when there's something to pay attention to. And right now, it's been a year and change, and there's nothing to pay attention to. Um, right. And right now. Yeah. The, the, Consistent promises, which are quite prevalent, of you know, oh well, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. There's going to be some great stuff coming around the corner. You know, it's going to be huge stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just sounds, it yeah. just sounds, it sounds so. Um, I mean, it's very Q and on. Well, yeah, it's it, it's that. It also sounds like you know, it sounds very. Um, it sounds very early church model, you know, when everybody thought that, you know, Christ was going to appear, right. you know, 10 years yeah. after his death. Like, it's, it's like, come on, come on. It's just, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to, I, I'll, my, my faith, my faith occupies the place of my faith. I have very little room for other things on faith right. besides that. Yeah. And, uh, and PTSA yeah, is just one of the things where I keep on getting promises and I keep on getting, it's, you know, it's, it's the Linus and, and, uh, uh, sorry, it's, it's the Lucy and uh, Charlie Brown football model every time. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and if you dare to draw any criticism, it's like, you, you, you have little faith. You, yes, you know? yes, yes. Yeah, that's You're my, honestly, yeah, that's, that's probably like a big part of what I don't like about the whole thing in a sense where it's like, I'm willing to give them a chance. And I think that they did good work in getting that New York Times article out there. And like Miguel said, it's like they moved the football down the field. And it's like been a long time since anybody's fucking moved the football at all. So it's like awesome. That was great. So I, my initial cynicism about them gave way to like, all right, I'm open-minded. Let's hear what you have to say. And then it was just like this rush of like trolls who were just like, you know, anybody who isn't in line with what we're doing is heretics. And, you know, old and cynical and, like, this very, like, vitriolic. And it's like, dude, yeah. we don't need the, you know, I don't need the vitriol, man. Like, I don't well, need, you know, that's yeah. not cool, dude. Sorry, but I don't mean to be a well, snowflake, but, like, coming in and going, all you UFO researchers are fucking assholes who don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's like, <laughs> okay, dude, thanks. You know, you know, people dedicated their lives to this shit and died. Have some fucking respect. Well, and and you, yeah. and you have some you have some things like Twitter accounts that include like the phenomenon in their their handle and they don't ever talk about anything besides the extraterrestrial phenomenon you know extra, extraterrestrial right, right, hypothesis. Yeah. You have things yeah. like you know people who are talking about the big breakthroughs of TTSA and I'm sorry whether or not you agree with it, it is your duty to read Patrick Harper. It is your duty to read George Hansen. I'm sorry that's 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 basic level. That's that that that's basic due diligence in in being in this field is to read stuff that you don't agree with. I do it all the time. As somebody right. who doesn't yeah, agree with ETH, I, I read stuff that I don't agree with. And there's some really compelling stuff that a lot of these people would not agree with. But they haven't even done that basic level of deep issue thought, looking at this from a culture, an, a, from a standpoint of cultural rel- relevance, 
looking at this from a an archetypal standpoint, they haven't done that basic homework. And it's astonishing to me how many people have gotten this far into it and are still like basically, you know, um Stephen Greer sort of acolytes, you know. Steve Bassett sort of Yeah, well know, I, I put over That's Jack part. Brewer on the last show and I want to do it again in a sense because uh mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I asked him because he's chasing down the fucking documents and yeah. he's doing the FOIAs and shit and I, I allowed it him and I'm doing it again tonight because it's like you know we all have everybody in this field has a hot take on this thing um, but there's like a handful of people that are, that are actually like doing the the bona fide research into this and not right. just relying on whatever information is being put out there by them and it was like, I asked Jack, I was like, well, what do we fucking actually know about this thing? You know, which should be like the most basic first question that anybody asks. And it was like, well, we only really know what they're telling us because the government's not releasing any information. You know, they'll confirm, I think, that, they, like, that the program existed, but they won't give us any documents about it or whatever. So it's like we're entirely at the mercy of, of the people telling the story. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank God for Jack Brewer. Thank God for Kurt Collins, you know. I may not agree with them 100% in, in, in what they're saying, but like you're saying, you know, they're walking the walk, you know, they're doing the hard work. They are, they are crossing the dots and trying to say if, if things are what, you know, what their people are saying. You know, they're, they're, they're cross-checkers. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing that I, that, that I wanted to, to mention, Tim, you, you asked me where... Are we going to be one year from now? And uh, I, I should say that you know I, I feel that one year from now we are maybe instead of talking about to the stars, we're probably talking going to talk about uh, American Cosmic. And American mm. Cosmic is a book that is about to be released by uh, Harvard Press uh, next month by Dr. Diana Walsh-Pazulka, and I think that is the kind of thing that should be moving ufology's conversation forward instead of to the stars and, and, their, and their false promises. And I, I have the, 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 I've been listening to what Diana has been saying ever since that uh, our friend Greg Bishop, who joined us earlier, uh, earlier tonight, uh, had her on on his show Radio Misterioso. Uh, or, I urge every everyone listening to this to also go and, and, and listen to that interview, because what she's saying and and the things that she proposes in that book are probably to me far more interesting, far more uh, thought provoking than the idea of oh yeah you know I just managed to get some element 115 in my pocket, man, you know, yeah. in order to, 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 to get some confirmation and the FBI raided me. Who gives a fuck about that? You know? <laughs> and I, want to, I want to talk about bilocating nuns and meditating monks and the idea that, okay, maybe if that is possible, maybe that can be compared to the UFO phenomenon and find a common threat. Yeah. Yeah, I hear good things about what she's doing, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, 
how the book comes out. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she by by all metrics seems to be a badass. Uh, I know. Um, she is. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm anxiously anticipating that book in a big way. I think it's going to be. Right. But but you know but but the sad thing is I'm not I say this with all the love in my heart. I don't think it's going to get the attention deserved because of the subject. You know, I agree. There's a reason. I actually agree there's, with that, Josh. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that too. You know. Yeah, most people are going to read that book and are just going to going to want to know who those anonymous uh, individuals who are mentioning that book, Tyler and James are. They're going to obsess about that. And again, they're going to obsess about, oh, where that special location in New Mexico where they found the alien artifact is. And they're going well, to probably miss the point. They're, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. so, so this, is, this is multi-layered. So number one, this doesn't fit the narrative that a lot of people want to hear. Um which I think we've sort of beaten as a dead horse at this point. But also the other thing that I've noticed yeah. in my own work, too, is that people do not give a good fuck about actual analysis of events. They just want to hear spooky stories. Mm-hmm. They want campfire stories. Yeah. Exactly. That's what sells. That's what moves tickets. That's what puts asses in seats. That's what puts that's what put eyeballs on TVs is – Spooky stories. They don't care about people actually like dissecting mm-hmm. and taking stuff apart, looking at it in resonant ways that you know ways that like compare. Comparativism is 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 like at the bottom of people's uh, priority list for for these subjects. And it's 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 as somebody who considers himself mostly a comparativist, <laughs> it's heartbreaking because I've I've heard some stuff about some people who like make a living off of just like not caring about the provenance of certain stories and just, like, churning shit out and just, like, making a living off this. And that's what people care about. That's because that's what, what people want to hear. They want to hear spooky stories. Who cares if it's true or not? Who cares what's really at the bottom of it? Spooky stories all the way. Spooky stories, please. Yeah. More spooky oh, stories. Please. Yeah. Spooky stories pay for my car, man. I love spooky stories. <laughs> well, come on. Look, look. Come on. That's how I get my health insurance. Let's not, let's not, throw, let's not hey, throw spooky on. stories under <laughs> the bus. <laughs> You and me, Jeff, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest, man. Come on, your spooky stories. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. A lot of fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I do, like, part of me, I think sometimes, like, the the idea, like, oh, like, uh, to get the answer to all this. Like I said before, where it's like I have this, uh, this, like, subconscious thing where it's like I don't want to know the answer. But there's also a part of me now as I get older, and maybe this will resonate with you, Kutch, where it's like, you know, we really don't need to upset the apple cart with, like, bringing aliens into this. Like, I'm getting older. I, I, don't, need, I don't need to deal with, like, because part of me thinks, like, if it's, I guess the, 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 the impetus of this question is, like, I want to pose this to, like, people who are, like, all super disclosure, where it's like, okay, man, would you be down with, like, the government telling us that aliens are real, but they have to institute martial law? Or they have to curtail your freedoms to, like, because the alien threat is here. It's like, no, dude, no, I don't want to deal with that shit. So, like, leave the Mm -hmm. aliens. Let's not engage with the aliens if it's going to mean that we're all, (laughs) you know, that we're all, like, going to be in, like, this V world. Like, I don't don't want that shit. Well, we all know there's some people on Twitter who would be like, 
as long as the government tells me that aliens are real, I will cut off every limb that I have and live the rest of my life. Right, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah. That yeah. True. it's like at what price? At what price do you want them to tell us? Like, like there's this weird like devil's bargain thing that I think about where it's like, what do yeah. you, what do you ask? Are you asking for the destruction of the human race, dipshit? Are you, yeah, yeah. you know, are you are you actually like like actively? You know, petitioning for them to tell us that demons are real. <laughs> like, like I don't really need to know that, bro. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, they're like the alien preppers, right? Yeah. You know, they don't know what they're asking for, and if there could have been some seamless transition into aliens living among us, you don't think they would have just done it? <laughs> well, you know, there's a grand canon's argument, and, and I mentioned him because I, I honestly feel that your interviews with him are one of the best in podcast history. You know, I've listened to those oh, wow. ones a lot of times, you know, and, and, and he says that the idea of the elite is that they are, are, are promoting the story that aliens are here and they're going to eat us, you know, and they're so bad. But then that is only just to prep us to when they actually reveal, yeah, they're, they're here, but they just want to hang out. Yeah. Like, people are going to say, oh, well, okay, that's not so bad. After all, yeah, I can live with that, you know, and everybody's going to go about their business, you know, that they're inflating the, the idea so much so that when the the real story hits us, they're not going to, you know, uh, upset us so much. I don't know if that is true or not. I mean, uh, it's not a, 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 a bad logical idea. Uh, I feel that actually, for me, uh, I agree with Greg Bishop when he says that probably the the the, the powers that be are as confound are more confounded at us because they probably have more information about yeah. The, yeah. the phenomenon. Maybe maybe they even have you know a couple a couple of your uh, science officers hiding in some hangar you know, uh, and that doesn't mean that they know more about their intention the, the intentions of the of the intelligence that is. Uh, interacting with us, you know. Right, right. Maybe, maybe they they read Charles Fort's uh, phrases and say, "I think we're property," and say, "Fuck, maybe that's it," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Maybe it's like like Nick reference final events, you know. Yeah, maybe we're some kind of farm, you know. And, and that that's the Gnostic, the Gnostic idea, you know. That the Earth is some kind of prison and. And then that we're just uh, footstuff of some multidimensional, you know, over predator there. What if the disclosure movement is a modern day Tower of Babel? Ah, and, we're, cool. and we're climbing up to fucking speak to God. And we're saying, hey, you know, we know you're up there, and now we want to know mm. what's going on. And the aliens are just yeah. going to be like, or the intelligence or whatever is just going to be like, okay, time to reset <laughs> yeah. and wipe us out. Sure. Like. <laughs> So to me, it's like, again, be careful what you wish for, man, because you don't know what the fuck you're going to get. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess I'm one of those people who watched They Live when they were, you know, younger, a lot younger, for sure. And and we're saying, okay, you know, I, 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 I'm seeing what the, the world is selling to me. 
I just don't buy it, you know, and maybe yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm chanting to John Lennon saying, you know, just give me some truth, you know, even even if the truth is horrifying, you know. Yeah. Well, well. I, 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 I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad, you know, it's because maybe what you're saying, Tim, is that uh, let's use the analogy of a cancer patient. Will you say to the cancer patient, yeah, you have cancer and you have six months to live, put your affairs in order, or you will lie to them and say, no, 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 you're getting better, you know, you have nothing to worry about, you know, you, know, you yeah. have it covered. <laughs> we'll put that to the test someday, Red Pill, because if I ever go into the doctor and they're like, yeah, you have cancer or whatever, unless they're like, yeah, it's stage one, we can shoot you with the thing and it'll go away. If they're like, yeah, you're pretty much like you just the scenario you said, I'll, I would turn around and walk out and be like, all right, I'll see you in fucking decades. You know, and just try and ignore it out of existence, let's hope. But we don't want that to happen. I don't know. I mean, we're doing like that right now with climate change, man. Oh, I know, <laughs> yeah. It's scary, you know, man. The, it's the yeah, whole fucking, I mean, you know, it's the whole, David, everything seems very tenuous right now. That's the best. No, no, no. We're, we are literally uh, living in liminal times, you know, with where everything is possible. So, yeah, what you're saying, yeah, maybe tomorrow to the stars reveals uh, another groundbreaking truth about the, the alien presence. People will say, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? Donald Trump just uh, tweeted some outrageous things, you know, uh, two hours earlier, so nobody nobody's paying attention. Every, everybody is some kind of like... Um, uh, information overload. Well, I said on the last show uh, with the gang, uh, I'm just, uh, I don't even like, I, I've reached the point now where I'm just like exhausted of this. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I hope that like, I, I feel like the rest of the world is, and I hope that like most of Americans are, where we're just like, can we just get back to like when things didn't matter as much? You know, exactly. when the president, yeah, you know, like you that. ignore the president. I was like, yeah. Even I liked Obama, and I didn't fucking pay much attention to what he was doing. It's like I don't need I don't need daily updates on this fucking thing, man. It's exhausting. It's just so exhausting. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that's what it means to to survive, you know, in a, in a in an unpredictable universe, you know, to be always on your toes. I mean, maybe that was uh, what happened with with our ancestors, right? You know, like. 20,000 years ago when you didn't know if that, you know, noise outside the camp yeah, was yeah. just uh, uh, some kind of like leaf, you know, branch falling on the ground or maybe it was a predator. Yeah. And maybe we're, we're, we're turning to that kind of like uh, fight or flight mode, you know, and, and maybe the idea of comfort was the thing that we needed to uh, shake out of you know, maybe maybe the comfort was an illusion all along. I don't know. Yeah, well, I feel like we're in troubled times, and I think that we'll get out of this and be a better race of people. I hope. But well, gosh, the, say something. The, the thing that boggles my mind is is how. I mean, because I, I try to be as objective as I can about the sort of things, but I feel like the chaos magic community really has their finger on the pulse of of culture right now in terms of what culture is doing and where culture is going. 
Um, you look at mm. statistics that consistently talk about the resurgence of magic. I didn't really believe in in the magical renaissance right. until I encountered a full blown, well stocked, not cheesy. I actually stopped and went in magic shop outside of Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is not that big of a town. It's a military based town, but it's like basically in the boondocks. Like you'd be driving through like this rural area that we're driving through. Um, really great, well stocked. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was like a Saturday at like two PM, packed to the gills. Guys, this is weird. And I think that what the, 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 the magical community is sort of tapped into that the UFO other esoteric communities really don't grasp onto is, is now like this is what happens when empires crumble. This is what happens when instability God. really yeah. takes hold in in, in 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 structured systems of civilization. I mean, like you can look at sort of any any any, any given power structure, uh, and this is always always what happens. This this becomes this takes a really grassroots uh, magical renaissance, and it, it really permeates through the yeah. bottom layers of society. And you look at you know you look at I see an article every day on on social media about you know. The rise of neo paganism, the rise of, of, of you know of uh, belief in witchcraft, belief in the cult, which you know as, as as a Christian it's neither here nor there for me, but um, but I think there's some power in the fact that that's a response to what we're seeing, and and it's amazing to me that the UFO community doesn't even try to contextualize this greater acceptance of 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 UFOs within that framework, the the idea that. I mean, we're through the looking glass here, people. We're in an era of fake news. Um, I think that some things, some, some of our trust, systems of trust about the U.S. government have been irreparably damaged. And with them, our systems of trust about media and the way that we consume things have been irreparably damaged. For better and for worse, because I think that the, the media has, been, has not necessarily been truthful for a very long time. But um, it, it, it's, it's really striking to me that no one, Fortiana as a whole, does not seem to really contextualize this in that sort of decline of empire way. And I'm, you know, we talk about like sort of bouncing back from this, but I don't know if there's any bouncing back from this. Um, you know, well, I, I've often spent. You're, you're touching on a really interesting paradox because everybody's we've been talking about uh, the impact. The cultural impact of that fateful uh, uh, New York Times article of, of, of December of last year, but at the same time, what you're saying is that by by the by the time that the New York Times released that article, the New York Times was regarded by the by a great uh, a big chunk of the U.S. U.S. population as fake news, yeah. you know, like uh, false media, something to be disregarded. Right. You know, so the New York Times in 2017 was definitely not having the same leverage as the New York Times in, say, 1967 oh, or yeah, 1987. Yeah. 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 No, well, part of the I, I sometimes wonder – yeah, I totally agree with that. I sometimes wonder if, like, uh, you see all this Space Force shit. I wonder if it's, like, tied into what we're seeing with the TTSA in a sense. I will reiterate. Um, I will reiterate something that a very dear, very close friend of mine said, who's actually working at an agency that we would all recognize if I, if I mentioned it. Um, but I'm sort of halfway protecting his privacy. Um, said to me, mm-hmm. 
a complete complete atheist skeptic said to me that he is not at all convinced that the only government organization to put people into space was NASA. And yeah. that was that was jaw dropping to me. And this is the same individual again. Wow. Skeptical hardcore skeptic, hardcore atheist, working for again an an organization that we all recognize. Um also was entertaining for the first time in his life some objectivity of the uh, the psychedelic experience because of Michael Pollan. Well, like, I definitely I think that like some other group, you know, they stop the whole fact that they stop going to the moon is so suspect. This was my own personal Jason Colavito in my life saying this to me. Um, oh no. Several months back, like he was, he's he's been that staunch of a skeptic about these sort of things, and he's saying these things to me, and I'm like, this is this is what happens when reality frays at the scenes. Like this is what happens, right? Um, is you know even people who are in the system start disbelieving that the system is um, the system. They start listening to the fringe. They start they start listening to the fringe. They stop believing that the system is in complete control of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could say, you know, why did uh, didn't we go back to the moon? I'm saying we, maybe what I'm saying is the United States, and the reason what I the explanation for that to me as a Mexican is because you went to fight the Vietnam War and you depleted your resources with that futile, you know. So it maybe it's the same reason why, you know. Maybe uh, you will, someone will say, why didn't the Vikings return to the New World? You know, after after you know, setting setting foot on being yeah, that makes sense. You know, farmland. Well, you know, they, they didn't have the resources for that. Yeah, you're right. And they you're just right. forgot about that. It's, it's it's just not that. Oh well, it's not that easy to do. Yeah. yeah, it's not that easy. You know, it's there's some kind of like the uh, wheel. And, 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 and directive, cultural directive that you have put in motion. And I feel that in the case of the New World, the Spanish uh, Empire, the Spanish Kingdom, were the ones that set it in motion. And that's why they actually managed to not only set foot on the New World, but actually conquer it and, 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 and take over it and became the Spanish Empire that in the 17th century was the superpower of, of the world. You know, like, uh, they were the biggest empire in, in the known world back then. Yeah, that's interesting, man. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, Kutch, when's your big Bigfoot book coming out? Kutch? <laughs> Just, just yeah, Kutch has checked out. Sorry, I was I was <laughs> muted. I was muted. Sorry. Um, ah. There you go. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right. You were sleeping. I, we're uh, at the wrap up part now, Kutch. Try and hang in there. What? What? Uh, people should go buy the new book, These in the Night. Obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, some and congrats, man. Sometimes. I've seen a lot of high praise for the book, so you know you deserve it, buddy. You're well, you're one of the book. most fastidious researchers I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? I am, I would say pedantic, but fastidious works too. <laughs> works too. Yeah, yeah. Measure. Uh, You have like footnote. You have like footnote 
uh, envy or whatever. We <laughs> like, we like fifty. You know, the eighth of the book has to be footnotes. It's like Jesus, dude. That's, that's, that's no, that, that's that's totally true. Um, when the UFOs, it's very scholarly to... though. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, you need, you only need the PhD man to make it really scholarly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I remember when uh, UFOs Reframing the Debate came out, I, I gave uh, Smiles uh, some, some grief for having more footnotes than I did. I was really upset about that um, because <laughs> I wanted to be like the, the, yeah. footnote, the, the endnote king. But um, any Bigfoot book, we'll see what happens with it. Um, I get the sense this is not a commentary on, on Tim's work ethic or anything, just in terms of like how I, it's more a commentary on, te- on how I work and how I want to get things out the door. I would love to have this book out by uh, August. Um, for me personally, I'd love to have my portions completed, like you know, in the next three months. But we'll see how that goes. So anyway, keep an eye out for it. Uh, weird Bigfoot book. It'll be one or two volumes uh, coming out sometime in 2019. I, I strongly suspect. Cool. Um, and uh, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Tim. Hoping to see you yeah, soon. Yeah, this is fun. Um, I'll see you in April. We're, we're working on yeah. getting Miguel to uh, to Atlanta. I think it's going to happen, Miguel, so stop being so coy about it. We're going to figure uh, out how to get you here. Nothing is impossible that much I know. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, man. We love you. We we need you here at, or at Paramania uh, 4. I can't believe it's going to be the fourth wait, year. You know, being guys, gentlemen, there's been a pleasure, you know, uh, talking with you, exchanging with you. I, I, miss, I miss talking with you about uh, all sorts of things, and I hope the, the audience also enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure they did. Thank you guys for doing the show. Uh, you know, you're free to go. <laughs> and, um, Miguel, I will see you in Atlanta. I'm telling you, Miguel, we're going to see you in Atlanta. Josh, I definitely will see you in Atlanta for Paramania 4. It's going to be a yep. fucking happening, man, I'm sure. We're going to bring the thunder. Bring the thunder. There you go. I, I love you guys, and I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Yes. Feliz Navidad. I love it. <laughs> I love you guys. Bye, Jim.